Welcome to Extra Points. Now here's your host, Cousin Sal, and his pal, Dave Damashek. Welcome to Extra Points, part of the Extra Points Podcast Network. Monday morning, Cousin Sal coming to you with his dear, dear pal, Dave Damashek. Yes, Dave, can you believe it? We've been doing this podcast for an entire year, I think tomorrow on the 27th. I remember our one-year anniversary. We made it. We lasted longer than Le'Veon Bell did with the Chiefs. Oh, here we go. You can't uh, not be a stinker for just one day, Sal. This is an auspicious occasion. Year two, muzzle tub to you, muzzle tub to all of us. And by the way, your shots do not hit the target. I survived the Le'Veon Bell experience and the Antonio Brown experience. I've been rooting for the Pittsburgh Pirates for the entirety of this millennium. You were merely, uh, you've merely adopted the darkness, Sal. I was born into it. I even survived Baker Mayfield this calendar year defeating the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. There's nothing you can say to get me down anymore. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Strong like steel. All right, all right, all right. right, That's enough. That's enough. I'll get you a Savenge t-shirt. But for everyone else, we wanted to thank you all for listening to the past year. And we did get you something. We've had some great guests who have joined us along the way. So on today's show, we wanted to play some of our favorites. Kenny the Jet Smith. The White Mamba, Brian Scalabrini, the playmaker, Michael Irvin, and Mina Kimes. I feel bad. I don't know Mina's nickname. But combined, they have won six major championships between them, and they were all very entertaining when they came on Extra Points. So sit back and enjoy. We'll get things started with the playmaker, Michael Irvin. There he is. Hey. What's happening? I should have known. I could have. I said I don't have to get dressed. These dudes ain't gonna be dressed. <laughs> dress. <They'll be> <laughs> Come on, it's late. <laughs> Wait, should I put it in my earpiece? Yeah, yeah. Please go ahead. Whatever you want to do. Hold on now, because one of these, one of these are good, and one of one is bad. I don't know you, which. Use one them is. all. I like to see while he gets all set up there. Uh, I like Michael Irvin, despite the fact that we obviously are not similar human beings. Um, <laughs> and and the proof of that is that he protects his trophies. He obviously. What, what you say, trophy. I said, <laughs> you love your trophy. I look, it's like you uh, you were good at a sport or something with all those trophies behind your head there. You're looking. What good. do you mean he protects them? Oh, he presents. He, them. He's, oh. You know, look at that. He's got them up uh, there and everything. I lose them. You see. Listen, you got to remember, right. And this froze freeze that just came through a lot yeah. of parts of my house, you know, well, my bedroom got yeah. frozen and, and, and rained upon. So we got to redo oh. the whole room. Oh, so I sorry. built this house. I built this house maybe 20. No, it's fine. It, it, it kind of works out because my wife wanted a new bedroom anyway, a more up-to-date bedroom. You, you see? Know, when, I, when I was growing up, I was at my aunt's house the other my, my aunt's house the other day. I walked down the walls, guys. See, they had pictures on the walls everywhere. You know how it was when you grew up. There were pictures sitting on every counter, <laughs> everywhere. Now, since everybody carries pictures in the phones, the houses, have, the, everything is, is, is modern. No pictures on the wall. Yeah. All, clean. all of this stuff back here, this they call clutter. I call championship. What the hell you calling my stuff clutter for? That's you right. Put, you just put this one here. I'm like, no, no, no. Put them all up there. I don't want to hear that. I'm not. Uh, hey, I won too many championships to take them all down and call this thing. I, I don't want it to be clutter. No. Put me some damn clutter back there. I don't see you clutter. Know how, many, how many dudes in the NFL wish they had this damn clutter? I don't want to hear that talking about. Get out of here. You're not redesigning my office. That's what they keep coming in here and say. Let me redesign it. 
move some of these things. Hell no. no. I took my, too many hits. Mike, right. here's the problem with that, though. That conflicts with what Roger Goodell and company are looking to do. They don't like because that could be read as taunting. You're trying to taunt your foes, and the NFL doesn't like the taunting. What deals with this? That. I mean, your whole game. I mean, but but I mean, you of all people should be the voice in the room that says, "Hold on, Kamish. It's right, a part right, of right. the game. We need it's it. It's a part of the game. If you don't want to, if you don't want to have to deal with me showing off all them trophies." <laughs> do something about it in those That's 60 right. minutes between the lines. That's what you do. <laughs> if you can't do anything about it, then don't right. try to do something about it now. Exactly. You know, to let it go, man. Michael, you you have about two and a half million dollars worth of clutter be, behind you. I'm counting. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good job you've done there. Yeah. Emmys, MVPs, everything. That's great. I wish right, I had time. I, I, we're going here, but I want, I, you know, we want a playmaker. So a lot of teams do pick the man. I got to give you some kind of intro. Actually earned that nickname, the playmaker, three times Super Bowl champ, pro football Hall of Famer, Michael Irvin. All right. Now you can officially jump in. It's great to have you, Michael. <laughs> it's great to be here, guys. It's always great to have this kind of form and talking. We all do TV and TV. You're really just talking to an audience. Yeah. Here we get to talk with each other, and the audience gets to peek in, which which I, I like doing these. I love it. I love having you on anytime, but right around draft time is is the best. Uh, are you excited about? Let me just say this: I feel like wide receivers they're always the most exciting player and position. Yeah, but I don't want to say they're more important now than ever. But I think franchises now who don't have the assets to go after a quarterback. Maybe it's always been like this, but it feels more like it's lately. They're going after the wide receiver. What were there, 15, a 13 in the first two rounds last year? Yeah. This is yeah, a flashy yeah. player. This is how they're going to make a difference, right? Do you feel like, I don't want to say wide receivers are getting used, but they're not getting enough credit. Well, it, it, well we get so much credit to the quarterback, which always blows right. my mind. Not saying they don't deserve it. But I don't know. I won't say they deserve that much credit. You know, I got people around here right now. You know, we talk about quarterbacks, and you know, that Dak signed his contract recently, mm -hmm. and everybody's like, "Man, forty-two million dollars in the first three years." I'm like, "Dude, back up. Do you not see how the NFL is leaking this stuff? Partnership with the fan dudes and all mm -hmm. those things. Mm -hmm. Oh, a new TV contract, forty-two million for a quarterback in two years is going to be no money. That number is going to jump." To 55, 60. So, so the quarterback will always have a point. Why would you spend 50 and 60 million dollars a year for a guy that can throw it and not spend for a guy that can catch it? You right. just wasted that money. So it's absolutely why the receiver has to be an important part of the whole game plan because you made the quarterback the most important part of the whole game plan and he can throw it. But he can run down there and catch it also. So you yeah. need that. With these wide receivers, though, I, you know, nobody is talking about the Cowboys, or they weren't at least until the last week or so. Kyle Pitts, right. Jair likes Kyle Pitts a great deal. The problem is, if it's a problem, is you're already loaded at that at pass catcher. The sensible right. thing would seem to be to go defense here. But in 2021, can you get by with, I mean, like, if you could just get that defense to mediocre, just, I mean, like, just don't let the other team score every time they touch the ball. Is there something to be said for, like, now more than ever, like, 
just load up and and try to score 40 points again. Is that is that crazy? Is Jair going to try to sell that to the room? At least it's, it's not crazy in this sense. It's not crazy in this sense because I believe you, you if, if you can't make all three phases dominant, all three phases very very good, then you you try to turn one phase into a dominating phase. If it's defense, that's fine. If it's offense, that's great. And and and, and Another thing that we have to watch, because people that get caught up in the draft and the combine, they, they do what I call, they, they like to build Madden teams. You know, where the Madden gets you, gives you the super team. You can pick the top wide receiver, top mm-hmm. running back, top tight end, top offensive line. Doesn't work that way. You got to find some places that you're not going to have a top guy. So, it, it, yeah, Kyle Pitts. Wow, what would be, would be a great pickup. I, I was saying to Rich on his show, I said, listen, we don't, Dallas, should not be taking Kyle Pitts with that pick because they need so much help. I had Patrick Santana on my podcast, and I think that would be a great pick. Great pick. Mm. And I talked to Patrick about him and Trayvon D. How often have you guys talked about playing together and becoming lockdown corners? Because I want to see that you're visualizing these in your head, too. See, we always talk about physical skill set. I want to talk about mentality. Mm. You can make a defense good if you pick the right – people with the mentality because defense is about hustle and hitting and that's got to be about a mentality i gotta we, we all working together we're gonna hit this dude right here hard and everybody's going so so i want and they got that mentality so getting patrick sertan and and, and hardening him with trayvon d i think would be a great pick it's harder to find it it's he i can say you can find the guy that can get to the passer it's more difficult Finding the guy that could defend the pass, mm-hmm. Alden Smith. Last year, he, he was out a couple of years. Last year, he comes in, he gets five sacks, three sacks in one game. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. so I can find a guy that can get to the passer, but 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 it's more difficult to find that guy that can defend the pass. So I like Patrick Taylor. But if they do take Cal Pitts, and <laughs> CD Lamb wants to take the number two. Can we put 88 on Kyle Pitts <laughs> and let's go from there? You see what I'm saying? You know, Michael, <laughs> the, if you bet it, you could bet what the Cowboys are going to go if they're going to go defense or offense. Defense, you have to lay more than $3 to win a dollar um, because it looks like it. Like last year, we were going to take right. a defender. We're probably going to take the safety from Alabama, McKinney, who ended up going to the Giants. But we went with C.D. Lamb. Great player, obviously. Right. Took your 88. That that's a shame. I don't like that. But took your 88 again. Wait, wait, Sal, let me, let me, let's break this down. Why don't you like it? Let me tell you why. Nah, I, I don't like always, it. I don't I like always it. Say this to people. I always say to people. Hey, 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 that number should be retired. I said, no, it should not. I don't I I I I, I don't want my flowers when I'm dead and gone. I want them while I'm living. Oh, interesting. See, so All right. right, right. So if you retire the number, the only time they show it or say anything about it. Is when you leave time and go to eternity. And the camera's on the game. They say, we lost Michael today. And they'll fail. <laughs> Back to the game. And that's it. <laughs> I'm gone. And I got two seconds on my way out the door. But when you put the number on another player's back, I get my flowers every Sunday. If he catches a pass, they say, boy, that looked like Michael Irvin. If he dropped a pass, they say, Mike Irvin wouldn't have dropped that. I like my number All right. somebody. Well, now, but here's the thing. Now, I take it you like C.D. Lamb as a person. You've met it, right? Yeah, but, yeah uh, I like C.D. He called but me. If, if, we talked about it. If he's an asshole, you don't want that guy wearing 88 for the next 10 mm. years, right? That's a different yeah, That's true. And, 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 and I would say something before it all came down. When we mm. started talking about it, uh, Dez, I, t- I talked to Dez. Mm-hmm. You know, Jerry's like, yeah, yeah, this is a good pick. 
uh, uh, and CD, he called me. He called me because, you know, and asked me and talked to me about it. I said, yeah, yeah, this is good. With guys like this, I remember talking to this. Can you handle 88? I went to him, I said, can you handle wearing 88? <laughs> he looked back at me. He said, yeah, I bet you I can handle it. I can wear it, my guy wear it. I looked at Jerry. I looked at Jerry. I said, he can do it. Let me tell you the the the, the, the showing thing there. Most guys, if me and Jerry's in a room and I ask him, could he handle 88? He'll look at me and then look at Jerry. Look at me and look at Jerry. Look at me and look at Jerry. This only looked at me. See, if you look at me and look at Jerry, that means oh. you're looking at the number, but you're also looking at the money. You're looking right. at the number, but you're looking at the money. When the man just stares at me, that means he wants to talk what I did in the number. I he, like you that. know, he's not even thinking about the money. He's thinking about the job. And, and, and I think those two guys are like that. Now, let me ask you this. Sorry, Dave. Did, did Drew Pearson have this conversation with you? Oh, yeah. I talked to Drew. He did. Uh, Drew's, okay. the, Drew's the first the first interview I had when I when I landed. He was the first wow. interview at DFW Airport when I landed here. His, one of his questions was, do you know who the lead receiver is for the Dallas Cowboys? <laughs> I said, yeah, Drew. I know it's you. Oh, but I know God. who it better be. In about nine or ten years, <laughs> you know and and it was me in, in that time span. That's so, excellent. but you go, of course, you're 47 in the orange when you're down in uh, in South Beach yeah. before you get there. So, I mean, boy, you uh, apparently you have uh, some self confidence then as, as what we can uh, take away from this. I love the idea of grownups all gathering around like, is he worthy of 88? And this is a committee <laughs> decision. That, that's the best. That's the best thing I've heard. Do you guys ever, do you guys ever uh, debate who's the best 88 in Cowboys history? Well, no, no, we, we run it order in order. I, 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 I pay homage to Drew because oh. of what Drew is and what he does. He's the original. He put the number on the map. In, mm-hmm. in that sense, you know, um, so so I, we always run the original and congratulations to him going into the Hall of Fame. But I say this to the guy that came after me, so I never say it around Drew. I said, I tell I tell the days or, or CD, I said, you do know. When it, 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 greatness says you must step on the ceiling of the man before you and make it your floor. Ooh. That's what greatness says. I stepped on Drew's ceiling. He had the one Super Bowl. I stepped on it and made it my floor and took it to three Super Bowls. <laughs> now I, I need to see you step on my ceiling at three <laughs> Super Bowls and make it your floor. I think I'm, you know, you know I mean, you got to wear four, five, or six. That's going to be a hard ceiling. That's right. That's right. Well, Dave, go ahead. Ask him about the numbers. I know oh, you're dying. I have a million dying questions off of this. Uh, and, and were you talking about my 47? My 47 number? But now yeah. you can wear any number, right? You could Was wear it? that, right. Would you yeah, choose? Yeah. Would you be like, thank you, Mr. Pearson, but I've got my own thing going with 47 if you haven't heard. I'm going to stick with that now. Hell no. You wouldn't do <laughs> that now? I, I didn't want 47 in the first place. I can't even. Let me tell you something. When I got to, when I got to Miami, my first day in Miami, Rich Del Ripple, who's Jerry Jones' yeah. right hand man, he and I both got there the first same day together, and, and and they were doing this thing where they had the seniors go out and talk to all the media, then the juniors go out and talk, and then the sophomore, and then and we were sitting on the bleacher at Green Tree Practice. It's only 110 degrees for you, and nobody wanted to talk to the freshmen. Of course, I raised my hand. I said, hey, uh, excuse me, what's your name? I'm Rich Del Ripple. I said, how long have you been in six? This is my first day, just like your first day. I said, okay. I said, 
who came up with this plan? <laughs> right. Listen, this is the most stupid plan I've ever seen. Why do we have to sit out here? Nobody wants to talk to us. We should have gone first, and then we could have gone in. And he said to me, excuse me, this is Rich. He said, who are you? I said, what's your name? I said, Mike Irvin. He said, what position do you play? I said, wide receiver. He said, well, number 47? Shut up. You won't be around long. Oh, no. <laughs> I said, I'll be around longer than you. You know, now that I think about it, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> College only have four years. But that's what I said then, you know. <laughs> and, 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 and I didn't even want 47. I, I, I called, I asked Jimmy, can I come meet with him about the number? And I remember walking in his office, and I was going to try to change it to number seven. I thought seven was a cool number, so touchdown, mm-hmm. seven. Right. So I go in the coach as a coach, you know, this year, this one, I, I want to think about trading his number in. And he's like, Michael, are you serious? He said, no way we can do that. He said, when I see you, Michael, and I see you catch that ball and you run down the field, you know what I think about? I think about a 747 landing on the runway and can't nobody do anything about it. <laughs> I walked out with a whole new, I was like, oh, really? Wow. Wow, this this number is great. I kept the number. I walked out. Later on, I said to him, I said, I can't believe I bought into that bull you sold me about a 747. (laughs) And and he did it it for Brock Berlin. Now he did it. (laughs) Yeah, right. To protect Brock Berlin's number seven. Come on, Jimmy. Not a Hall of Fame decision there. Hey, you talk about standing on, on, uh, uh, standing on the floor of who came before you. You did not like it when T.O., when he wore the 49ers uniform, came in and stepped on your logo. You just talked to Juju Smith-Schuster. What do you think for real about Is it? My reaction is this is a lot of noise about a whole bunch of junk that Juju dancing on the other team's logo right. in the pregame had any impact on whether or not the other team oh tried God. hard. I mean, it's so ridiculous. But you, oh I God. mean, because you did a lot of that, but now the league doesn't want the taunting and all that stuff. And, and I think I think that's the most crazy thing in the world, too, now. Like, you know, honestly, I got a phone call. I remember Emmett called him because I didn't play in that game. Right? I, I was hurt. I didn't play in the game. My neck was already hurting. And and, and Emmett called me. I'm thinking, did you see what T.O. did? I said, yeah. Well, I can believe it. What are you calling me for? <laughs> he did that early in the game. You should have taken care of it. You guys should have taken it. When he stopped on you should have gotten together and said, let's make sure we win this game and make him look like a fool. You didn't do that. So I know you should call it me. We ain't got nothing to talk about. You should have taken care of it when you had the opportunity <laughs> to take care of it, and you would have made him look crazy. But I, but but even that, but what happened with Juju, I thought that was – that, that, I thought that was that was just absolutely crazy. Juju was bringing in the young fan that we want around the NFL. Right. All those TikTok fans, and then and, and, and they were eleven and zero. He was doing it. And it was all great when they were eleven and zero. Mm-hmm. They lost one, and you know, guys, they were trying to find any reason why are we losing this game. Juju dancing. We got to stop that. Come on, man. So, yeah, that, that's crazy stuff. Man. But it's all it's all about curbing all the fun and everything. And with the draft coming up, it got me thinking about you as a rookie and hazing, which is was always used to be considered fun. I don't know that it goes on to what extent anymore. I can't imagine it happened with you. I don't I don't think that. Michael Irvin was running around grabbing donuts for uh, veterans and singing Bobby Brown songs and then the team meetings and stuff. Right. 
Did you get so A's I, at all? I, I tried to be better about it when I got to the NFL. I wasn't very good with it in college. Now, mm-hmm. you got to imagine, I was coming out of Fort Lauderdale in college, and and and, and we we were, I, I tell people all the time, we were the, we were po. We were po. Mm-hmm. We were just po. And, and I didn't have time to call. We're coming here to college to play with the hazing game. I, I'm trying to provide for my family. We right. were po. I, and I said po. I, I speak for a living. I know the correct word is for. But we were so poor, we couldn't afford the other O and the R. We just said po. That's it. <laughs> we just po. So, so, so when I got to college in Miami, all the hazing, I wasn't about that. I'm oh. like, no, I got to get us out of this ghetto. I got to fix it. My first day in Miami, they were trying to haze me, and, and I get into a fight. I was like, oh, my God. I got a fight with an offensive lineman. They tried to make me stay in line and let everybody else eat, and the freshmen could not eat. I'm the 15th or 17th kids. I never saw a steak <laughs> like that on the oh, 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 in the training table. And the guy wouldn't let me get to the steak. Uh, he stopped me from getting to the steak. And then in the end, he said, give me the freshman steak. Oh, that was it. I took the tray I had in my hand, cracked it over his head, and started <laughs> <laughs> Like, you can't take that steak. They sent me to Jimmy's office, right? <laughs> Jimmy told me, he said, son, listen, you can't be fighting your own teammates over state. We just can't do that. <laughs> he said, I'm not going to send you home. I'm going to spend some time with you and try to help you out. But, but we can't be fighting each other over the I'm just, I'm just being state. a big 747 coach. I man. That's right. So, yeah, it, it was crazy, man. But but when I got to, when I got to pros, I, I was better. You know, I just got a big big check, so I was okay. It was time to ease off and, and be okay with the haze. That's a great story. Oh, that's so good. The 11th pick, but, you know, I remember when you were coming out of the U and you were a big deal and, lot, and a coveted guy. Um, there has never been, Michael, I've never talked to a guy, even Reggie Bush, who went, what did he go, second or third? I think he went second. Um, yeah. Everybody, if they didn't go first overall, they're upset about their draft experience because they didn't go high enough. Reggie mm. Wayne can tick off every single receiver, what slot they went in, the team it took him, why it was a right. mistake to take that guy over Reggie, and so on. Do you have that same uh, recollection of things? No, no. I mean, I, I came out my junior year, after my junior year. You know, back then you had to graduate early to leave and go to the, pro, go, go to the league early. You know, now you could just, hey, I played two years, I'm gone. So, so when I graduated early, that gave me a little bit of control over the draft. So a team had to, since I was only a junior, a team had to call me before they draft me. Hmm. So they couldn't just draft me because if I, if I want, didn't want the team to draft me, I could drop a class, go back to uh, uh, summer school, pass the class in summer school, and then apply for a supplemental draft. That team would have lost his draft choice. I saw Bernie Kozar do it a couple of years earlier, so I thought – let me try. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, and so I went to summer school all year. I got out early. And I remember Green Bay, you know, because that year, Oak, uh, Oakland, it was Oakland then. They, they drafted Tim Brown with the fifth pick. Mm-hmm. I got a phone call from Green Bay. They were at the seventh pick. And they were like, man, we ain't thinking about drafting you. I was like, whoa, no, not Green Bay. <laughs> you know, it's Green Bay. <laughs> you know <laughs> From Florida to Green Bay is not a good transition. <laughs> it's just a bad. So, so here I, we, like I told you, we got we the brokest people in the world. The whole house started chanting, 
no way Green Bay, no way Green Bay. <laughs> so, so Green Bay goes on and, and drafts Sterling Sharp, who was a great, great wide receiver. It's my mm-hmm. boy, great wide receiver. 11 pick comes. Dallas don't even call. They mm. just draft me. I'm like, what was that? You know, where, where's the power? All that hard work I put in for my power. But I knew they would because before that, Jimmy had already told me. He said, listen, Dallas is thinking about drafting you. He said, I, I know what you're doing and why you graduated early. You get that control. He says, but there's an oil buddy of mine that's about to buy the Dallas Cowboys. You're not playing that with the Cowboys. I may be joining you soon. <laughs> and they never called. They just drafted me. And I was wow. like, oh, that's, that's great. That was great. And then the next year, Jimmy came. That's great. And you were excited because Dallas has like the best steaks in, in the country, right? Barbecue. <laughs> Dallas everything. has everything. <laughs> Dallas, yeah. Dallas has everything, man. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> and if you win here, it's a forever thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because the brand is, is so big. It, 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 was, it was my dad's favorite team. It, it was really heaven. It's as I told C.D. Lamb last year, I said, man, you don't fall to the Dallas Cowboys. You get mm. placed on the Dallas Cowboys. So don't buy into that. You've been blessed to be placed at 17 with the Dallas Cowboys. I didn't even know it was your dad's favorite team. That that just, I mean, you can't even put a price tag on that, right? I mean, yeah, what a fedora hat, man. Yeah. You know, times I sat and watched the Cowboys play with my dad, and he would promise me one day we're going to do one of those games. So one day we, we never went. We never had enough money to go. But right. he promised me that. And, and, and it just didn't work out where 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 I could have brought him to a game. You know, he he passed. I lost. He passed my junior year in high school, and that's the one thing I think about God all the time. And God said, "I'll give you one thing that you didn't have your whole life, mm. and it would have been can can he just let my dad see me play?" Well, I'm sure he's looking down on you, and he sees yeah. all the clutter behind you, and he's very impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking oh of being God. impressed, Michael, what's <laughs> you see these guys? First of all, anyone who suited up in the SEC and ran a pass pass route this year is projected to go in the first two rounds. Right. I mean, it, it, does anyone stand out to you? Is it harder to pick? This may be a dumb question. Is it harder to pick out the receiver that you think is going to be great as it is a quarterback? Or what do you do? You think you have an eye for this? Well, there's, there's, it's it, it's it's more difficult to find. It's difficult to find greatness period mm-hmm. because there's so many variables that come into it you can have the physical skill set you know but 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 do you have the commitment to it do you have the drive do you have the hunger i told my son and i tell kids hey, hey, i said well, what do you want to do we we're playing the nfl okay all right i understand yeah, I, I, I run this fast i do i said all that's good but the main thing you're going to have to do i don't care about your physical skill set you have to master hunger or that joker that's lining up from you or lying across from you. Right. So it doesn't you, you can have all the skill set. If you don't master hunger or that dude that's like this ain't golf. You ain't hitting a little white ball. The, the other man got hunger too. You gotta be more hungry than him to beat him every play. You see what I'm saying? So right. it's so many different variables that make greatness. And then you throw in what the league is now, wide receivers. Mm-hmm. The small guys. They would never get drafted this high. Last year, Henry Ruggs was the first wide receiver off the board. Not because he was the best wide receiver. He was nowhere near the best wide receiver. But he was the fastest wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody now wants speed. Because you can't hit and separate the small guys from the ball anymore and punish them. 
So now everybody wants to hit you with speed and you can throw the, the short, the little quick, quick balls to the short guys and they, they can run like an open field punt and everything. So, so the game has changed in a lot of ways. When I was playing, you had a big guy and you had a small, fast guy. Now the big guy, like DK Metcalf, is the fast guy. It's yeah. all coming in one package now. It's incredible what these kids have done and the athletes that they are. It is amazing. I mean, you get Justin Jefferson at, what do you go, like 27th? And uh, and right. Shaq's guy, Dave's guy, Chase Claypool, went 29th. Like, you could really wait. There's like all six of or those seven, guys, so many good ones. All of those guys had better years than the Henry Ruggs, who went first. Right. Because, and I call that the Tyreek Hill effect. We are watching this year. I want to see, like Devontae, Devontae Smith, that's the Tyreek Hill effect. Let's see where he goes. Uh, uh, is, is he, you know, if he goes before uh, all these other guys, and, and, and I mean, he had a, a, a hell, of a, hell of a season last year, winning the highs and everything. Mm -hmm. But he's still a pretty small guy, maybe 180, soaking wet with, with an extra large helmet on. You know right. what I mean? But, I, <laughs> hey, but, but he's a small guy, so it'd be interesting to see what happens. Well, yeah, he's he's like one sixty five. I mean, uh, from the from your point of view, though, because you talk about the hunger, and of course that's intangible, and everything's right. about forty time. And did you see him on tape against the high end right, competition right, right, right. and all that? Right, right. But those guys don't work out just about as much as they do work out. From your perspective, what is it that is just in an ongoing way? What's missed? What? Why does that happen? Why is this such an inexact business that we can't look at the tape and go like? I feel like quarterbacks a little bit right. easier, but maybe I'm exact. Why? Why do some guys work and some guys don't? It's because of all of those things, all those things. And if any one is off, then then, then you're like, wow, you know. And, and, and I'm gonna tell you a, a point, one thing to do. Some can't make it through the transition. There's going to be a loss of confidence in the transition. I don't care who you are. There's going to be a loss of confidence. Can you find your way back? And a lot of times, they can't find their way mm. back. When I got drafted in Dallas, they had me the first time. I was on the front page, lassoing the state of Texas. They said, new sheriff in town. <laughs> My first press conference, I remember coming in, you know, I had maybe lost two games in my three years playing in Miami. I was like, we're on our way to the Super Bowl. New sheriff in town. It's all good, folks. We're on our way now. I'm here. I said, I'd catch anything. Y'all try. I said, I'm so good at catching footballs. I can catch a BB in the dog. Somebody turn out the lights and shoot a BB gun. I was talking all <laughs> kind of noise. I truly said this. <laughs> I went to my first training camp, man, and Everson Walls tricked me on one of the plays and jammed me. I fell to my knee. Uh, I must have dropped every ball they threw my way for the next week. I went to, I went to go see an eye doctor. I went to go see a hand specialist. This is the truth. I was like, God, what is going on out here? You know, I'm like, the wind is blowing. It's the wind out here. Everything, my mind was gone. And I had lost confidence. And, 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 and I was able to fight my way back through work. But a lot of guys, confidence, I tell them, confidence is like money, man. When you get it, you love it. But if you lose it, you hurt. But it's hard to get back again when you lose it. And, and a lot of guys can't find their way back sometimes. Look at all these quarterbacks that were surefire success stories, first picks in the draft, and you watch them go places. And all of a sudden, you're like, is that the same guy that I watched for years tearing people up in college and everything? 
that's a confidence. It's just gone. It's, they have the skill set, but but they may they have the hunger, but the confidence has been rattled. And, and it's no return. Who are you most wrong about in recent years? Whether you thought they were going to be great and they were a bust or you thought they were going to be a bust or they were great. Does anyone come to mind? Because I feel I think about the Cowboys. That's a good one. I'm a big fan. I have not figured out who they're going to draft. I've, I've whiffed on their first round pick. Probably Aikman was the last one I guessed correctly. I'm not even kidding. Like Jerry's Pat traded up to get like uh, Morris Claiborne. Like that was, he's, they're always doing weird things, the Cowboys front office. But what, so that's why you're right. It's an inexact science. It's like gambling. But what about you yourself? Right. Can you remember? Well, that's any? a good one, man. That's a good one. And it's hard to remember who I said, wow, I thought he would tear it up. Or wow. Like I looked over, you know, like I, I remember Julio Jones coming out. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're, we're, we're playing. I remember when Julio Jones was just in Alabama and Leon Lett used to say, hey, man, this is kid Julio Jones. You got to meet this kid. I just wanted to talk with him, you know. And, and I so I followed him for a long time. I said, man, he's going to tear it up. This mm-hmm. dude right here. Because, you know, when, when I got to find out about him, it, he became the guy when I went to my threshing floor. That threshing floor is that place that you go to God and talk to, about, talk to God about your biggest issue with what's going on in this world. And on that threshing floor, I called God out. Like, how could you give Julio Jones all of that? I was right here. Like, this man has size, he has speed, he has the ability to get in and out. I was like, why could you not have given me just a tad bit of his speed, you know? But so, so I knew he was going to be something special. But it's hard. Look at all these guys. First and second quarterback, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mario. First and not even with their teams anymore. First and second quarterback taken, uh, Jerry Goff and Carson Wentz, not even with their teams anymore. Mm-hmm. This is in recent years. Yeah. Recent years. Sam, don't hype you get out of here. We're going to try, try this again. It didn't work with you. You know what I mean? It's so, it's so difficult. You have to find the right team. That team has to find the right system to fit you. It is, it's so difficult, man. These things. Somebody was reading the stats for a successful first rounder. And, and and I think they, they say, like, center is like the t- first first round centers have success. Mm-hmm. But and they were like 100% on first round centers that have had success. Hmm. After that, it dropped to maybe like 50, 40% or something for linebackers. It only goes down, down, down for everybody after that. So it, it is a hard find. Yeah. There was one guy who, well, many guys have been encouraged to switch from QB to wide receiver. Um, in that transition, Julian Edelman was one of those guys. Now right. we talked Drew Pearson. I like Drew Pearson. I liked uh, I like Lynn Swan even more as a Steelers fan. Um, those guys are in the Hall of Fame because of what they did in Januarys, not in in October's. This is a more distinct case. Can you summon any sort of uh, generosity to say that Julian Edelman belongs in the Hall of Fame for just what he did in the postseason? Don't hold back, playmaker. Let us. Let know me give you this. You can be let honest. Let me give you this. Let me, let me give you this. And, and honestly, it's funny. I was talking to Julian just uh, just the other day, conversing with him the other day, and this this is what I said. I said this on my own cast. This is where where service what what what, what we've done a disservice in. I was in the league when we added the fullback to the Pro Bowl roster. Now, there was no way that Daryl Johnson and those guys would have ever gotten a chance to experience a Pro Bowl, yet 
what they've done was vital because they were under the listing of running back. They're fullback, but they're still listed as a running back. And 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 Daryl Johnson, those guys never get in with Emmitt, Barry Sanders, and Ricky Waters, all of those guys that were in the league at that time. So they never would have gotten an opportunity. So they made a fullback position for the Pro Bowl. They made a fullback position. So they didn't fall up under the running backs. I think what we need to do, especially what the league is now, we need to make a slot wide receiver position for the Hall of Fame. Hmm. You cannot tell me that what Julian Edelman has done has not been valuable to the greatest run, the greatest run in NFL history. Oh, man, you're killing me. For for a franchise, great. He's been so valuable. He's made such key plays. And and we'll measure right now, Julian Edelman, uh, I think he has like 100 more yards than me in playoffs. And playoff play, 100 more yards. I think I'm at 14. He's at 14. I'm at 1,300, something like mm-hmm. that. He has 31 more receptions. 31 more receptions. Now, imagine if 25 of those 31 more receptions were first downs in the playoffs. Are you joking? That's so vital and so crucial. But we'll measure them to our numbers, guys on the outside who's going 15, 20 yards up the field every time they make a play. This guy's only going 45 yards up the field. But it's a crucial play because it keeps drives going. We need to think about, like we did with the fullback, and taking him out of the running. He's still a running back, but we gave them a special position, making those slot receiver a, a, a position for the Hall of Fame. And I think that way we can also get Heinz Ward in, you know, because Heinz Ward deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, so like, so that, like that's everything. how I see it. This is I, I, Mike and I park our cars in the same garage. You've broken Sal's heart. I didn't he doesn't, hear any of that. I'm sorry. He doesn't Sal, like Sal, it. I was, I was watching Sal. the Mets there. Yeah. Sal, Sal, you gotta get, I don't man. think it's fair. I, I know what yeah. you're saying. I, right. Maybe, you, maybe right. you have to think of it as like a DH, right? We got to put Devin Hester right. in the Hall of Fame, too. It'd be ridiculous if Devin Hester yeah. doesn't wind up with a gold jacket. It's the right. same right. standard that he's That's not the DH I, I was talking about, but Devin Hester, and, yeah. And, and, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I always say this. Did, did he stay in your brain? Every, every when, when I hear Julian Edelman, first thing I think about, I don't know how he caught that ball one inch off the ground after mm-hmm. going through all of that to win that game, that Super Bowl against Atlanta. Those plays that stain your brain, mm-hmm. you know, that, that are part. And, and it, so, so, so I do think, I think we need, to, we need to consider that. I think we need to consider making it a slot position in the Hall of Fame. By the way, you, you brought up Julio Jones. He is, because of Edelman, Julio Jones has the greatest inconsequential catch of all time, probably, in the Super Bowl, right? Remember uh, how yeah, that yeah. catch was? Yeah, yeah that, that sideline catch you're talking right. about? Yeah, yeah. That yep, sideline yep. went up over and caught that ball. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. 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 And, <laughs> and, and the other right. good one was Javon Curse getting it down to the five for Definitely. Seattle before Marsh, before Russell Wilson throws the pick at the goal line. That, that was another good too. one. Another good one. I want to ask you one more thing, anymore. Michael. The third pick is the big one, right? Because everyone, for whatever reason, it's tra- uh, Trevor Lawrence first, it's Zach Wilson second. So the Niners trade all the way up. We have to think, Dave and I were talking about this today. We have to think they knew who they were taking before they made this trade, right? They just, they, they have to have someone yeah. in mind. To me, it's a, I don't, I don't know. Obviously, like, like we said, we just spoke a half hour about it. Anyone could pan out, anyone could bust. Right. But why right. would Mac Jones 
be the choice, right? I feel like after we saw a year of Tua, right. you got to wonder if Tua, maybe just it's too soon to come off an injury to evaluate his talent, but that talent, vastly more talented than Mac Jones, but still struggled a little his first year. Do we want to make that mistake with Mac Jones? Is he a system quarterback? So many great receivers we talked about uh, coming out of uh, Alabama. Is it a mistake? Is that what the Niners did? Right. What do you think? Well, and, and that's a great question, Sal, in this sense. And, it, and that's what everybody says. They must know who they want if they right. moved up to three. It, it doesn't matter if you know who you want if you moved up to three. You better know that you'll take any one of the top three when you mm -hmm. move up to three. You mm -hmm. see what I mean? Because if you want one guy, there's no – even Matt Jones. There's, there's no guarantee Matt Jones going to be there. You know what I'm saying? Right. You don't know who led the so, – so, so if I went up to three – that means any one of those top three guys, I'm good with. I'll take any one of them. So now I put myself in a no-lose situation. Uh, you, 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 that's the only way I can put myself in a no-lose situation. Right. I'll take any one of those top three guys. Gotcha. That's why I'll give up all of this to go up. And, and, and I think they see that. Of course, they'll take travel on. But you ain't going to get them. You're not going to right. get them. And, 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 and so now they're coming down to the next two. And we don't know who the Jets are looking at. Well, we you gonna say Jack Wilson, Jack Wilson, we can say this. But, but we don't know. We don't know. So, so yeah, I do think they got their eye on those top three guys that they think, and we don't know who that third guy is mm -hmm. that they'll be happy with. But, but, but it's interesting too. And, and I'm with you on this, Al. I'm with you on this sense. You know, well, when you're in Alabama, you, you, you really, you, you got some, you got some horses around you. Yeah. And every time you line up each and every week. You ain't gonna line up against those kind of horses every week. Now, when you get in the NFL, you got some horses with you too. But every week you're lining up against some horses. You see <laughs> what I'm saying? So you better make sure that you can fit that ball in the real tight windows and do some special things. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing who that pick is. I don't know if Matt Jones is more of a, 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 a you know, a, a, a screen, a little ghost for us. Uh, uh, all that I'm, I'm hearing so much about that situation mm -hmm. with Matt Jones that I can't wait to see what really happens. Just to mm -hmm. put a little finer point on it, do you think, though, that there are GMs around the league who kind of look at Tom Brady, even at his advanced age, um, yeah. still winning the Super Bowl, classic, you know, uh, you know, stand in the pocket, make plays, not dynamic by definition. Do you think that some guys are kind of spooked by, like, that maybe – the dynamic stuff goes the other way sometimes and gets the team into trouble or something. Is, is, do you think that as we sit here, cause everybody loves the, what Deshaun Watson can do at his best and Russell Wilson right. with the scramble and everything. Do you think there's some instinct that like, I just need the guy who's going to do it from the pocket. And, and that's what Kyle Shanahan's looking at with Mac Jones. In, in, in a sense, yes. In this sense, cause, cause when the league change, when they stop allowing you to separate man from ball on the back end, you know, when I ran the bang eight route, bam, I had to take that hit. Every time in the huddle, Troy would say, go up big. Basically means you're about to get your ass hit in the mouth, catch the ball anyway. That's what he means. Go up big. <laughs> you know, it's going to be a, a collision. Go up big. So so once we, we took that out of the game, then on the front end, the quarterback end, we took that out of the game on the back end with the wide receivers and the safeties and the DBs. And on the front end, we gave up accuracy for mobility. Now you can be less accurate since they can't separate you from the ball. They have to wait on you to catch the ball. So then everybody said, oh, we can be less accurate now and we can get the guys that move around and we can get those hidden yards. 
those hidden yards. So absolutely, that has played a role in the way NFL has developed. But Tom Brady has kept saying, he said, yeah. wait a minute, I'm still in here, you know. <laughs> and you have mobility, but I have a brain that just thinks through the game. He plays pre-snap with your mobility. You're playing post-snap. And, and, and it's hard to find people that play pre-snap. And I think that's another thing that they try to bring back to Matt Jones. He's so smart, and he plays pre-snap. And Kyle Shanahan, he, he's one. He's no doubt one of the best in the league, guys. If he can get his guy that he needs and knows how to play pre-snap and play like him from his perspective, I think he'll do great games, do great things. That's all he needs is a quarterback. So I don't know if that's Matt Jones, but if he believes it's Matt Jones and, and, and it works out, that'll be interesting. Now, you got to remember, too, he really believed and loved Kirk Cousins. You know, that right. day, Kirk Cousins. He, he really believed and loved Kirk Cousins. So, so he, maybe he's looking for his next Kirk Cousins. Mm. I love it. I love it. Michael, we could talk to you all night. I got a million questions, but I want to let you go. You got a leak in the bedroom. By the way, are we sure your wife didn't plan that leak? She wanted a new bedroom, and then all of a sudden the storm comes? It seems a little too convenient. <laughs> I know, and I would say that, but but okay, when you get out, when the house is big enough that you have to have these like commercial like fire things in it, the cases of fire, you know, and right. that's what cracked. Now, I would have said, baby, did you plan that? But I see she wouldn't have known how to crack that wall. I just knew she wouldn't have known how to, how to crack that wall. But, you know, it, it's like my bishop says, when, when it gives you lemons like this, just make some lemonade. So now we're going to change the whole room around because our room is, you know, it's, we, we, we change. She's going to modernize the room and everything. We had the designer here. And as I was telling you guys, when we came on, the designer was like, why don't I modernize your office? Nah. I mean, it looks like it's clutter back there. I'm like, clutter? Nah. It's clutter. You know how many hits I got in the mouth for this stuff? You're not moving. <laughs> don't you think about touching this. It's not clutter. It's called championship. And I'm going to keep them all right back here. So don't even think about it. You, but yeah, yeah, it's going well. Yeah, you got a new designer. They're not touching that stuff back there. That's art. <laughs> I, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm trying to zone in on a, each individual <laughs> picture and award, and it's uh, it's great. And so are you. Thanks for cutting. That's Michael Irvin podcast. You have a new episode this week? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm going to break down those top five quarterbacks this week. I'll do Stephen Jones the week after that. And then pop back up with Kyle Shanahan coming up after that soon. Oh, nice. Excellent. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's awesome. It's always fun. It's fun. It's fun stuff, guys. Yeah. And I just realized, too, to put to put a period on it, that's why you used to do that flying thing you used to do at uh, at the U when you would be at midfield past all Where the defensive back. You were right. flying like a seven forty seven. I never, I never a seven. That's why you did it. I love Jimmy, it. You're the top. Jimmy Mike. sold me. Jimmy sold me <laughs> that shit, and I can't believe it. <laughs> 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 right. All right, guys. I love it. Nice thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. Listen to him on the Michael Irvin podcast. He's the best. Michael Irvin, thanks for jumping on. Anytime, guys. When they called and said, yeah, I said, absolutely. I'll make time for it, man. Awesome. So anytime for you guys. You're the All greatest. Guys. Be safe. Thank 88. <laughs> yes. The real 88. That's the one. Hey, FanDuel Sportsbook is hooking new users up with an epic Olympic bonus. Just place your first bet on any Olympic sport risk-free. That's right. New users get up to $1,000 back in site credit if your first bet doesn't win. Simone Biles win the women's vault. USA men's basketball to win. Yes. 
You can bet on any Olympic event, baseball, soccer, track, or field, and more. Promotions like this are just one of the reasons why I love betting with America's number one sports book. It's easy to use, it's safe and secure, and there are fast payouts. Get paid in as little as 24 hours. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app with promo code extra points and go for the gold today. That's promo code extra points. All right, let's bring in our guest. She's the best thing, I think, Dave, to happen to ESPN since Australian rules football. And trust me, that's a goddamn compliment. It really is. Guys, Mina Kimes is here. What's happening, Mina? Sounds like you didn't watch Cornhole last summer, if you're making that <laughs> kind of statement. ACL is what you're the right. American Cornhole League is, which is uh, interesting. I guess no one's torn their ACL. Oh, my cornhole, God. So. Yeah, that's true. That's uh, so ironic. I, I, You know what? I'm going to have to redo my list. But I will say, speaking of lists, Mina, you were on my bucket list of people I wanted to meet in 2021. And this <laughs> audio Zoom connection is going to have to count. I'll take it. Thanks for I'll- coming on. Thanks for having me. Dave, of course, is my old friend, so I'm excited to be here. You know Dave, yes, for a long time, and you still agreed to come on the on the uh, podcast. Um, we're, we're really wrapped up in this NFL draft. Dave has told me, I, I think this is a, a lean time of year after the NCAA tournament, after the Masters. We have, I'm looking now, four weeks till hockey playoffs, six weeks till basketball playoffs. Thank God. this. I mean, Dave's still trying to convince me that Pittsburgh, Philadelphia Flyers for the seventh time in 11 days is, is going to be uh, glorious, but no, I'm looking forward to this draft. I imagine you are as well. Yeah. I feel like this draft is also more, I guess, juicier maybe is the word than mm-hmm. last year's. And I mean, last year there was some controversy over where would, you know, with what would the dolphins do and whatnot? Would they actually take to a, but this year it seems like after picks one and now two, it's open season, which for our industry is basically a stimulus of content. Yeah, it is. That's exactly right. And that's it is uh, the diminishment of my beloved puck, notwithstanding. Yes, the NFL draft keeps things nice and juicy here in springtime as we await um, postseason play in NBA and NHL. But Kimes, let's let's get to the matter at hand here. I mean, the main thing I think the my main takeaway in a juicy quarterback class and and a relatively by comparison to the ones we've seen in the last half decade, 2022 probably not as rich at QB as it stands right now. I mean, let the Russell Wilson said he wanted to get traded again for the second time in three years, and now he's now it's a big pronouncement to Dunlap and company. I'm coming back. I'm coming. I'm back in. Go this Hawks. seems this seems like a bad. There there is a shelf life. Our producer, Joel, dug it up. And I know you love nothing more than QB wins as a conversation. Oh, no. But there is a point. Really? Yeah. I mean, yeah, really. But listen, Russell Wilson has reached a place. It's it's an eternity since he even reached a title game. Would it be best, not just for Russell Wilson, but for the Seattle Seahawks to move on and try and get one of those high-end quarterbacks in the 2021 draft? How say you? I say, no, I say, I, I can't tell if you're serious or if you're just. Yes. Uh, Welcome to my world. Yeah. Just, okay. <laughs> no, he's serious. Um, well, I do appreciate you saying one of the high end quarterbacks because for weeks during the great will Russell Wilson be traded saga of, you know, our opinion shows like this spring, I had to endure in spread, trade proposals that were downright insulting, right? Like. The Bears reportedly uh, offered like three first round picks and a couple defensive players they were going to cut anyways. That package would have been less than what San Francisco gave up to get 
ostensibly Mac Jones, Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. Russell Wilson. I, I, and, I, and we forget with quarterbacks, even near the top, it's like a, at best, a 50% hit rate. I believe it's lower, which doesn't mean you shouldn't try to take a quarterback, but you really don't know. You know what you got in Russell Wilson. I understand the benefits of having a young guy on a rookie contract, but to me, unless it was a Trevor Lawrence, it would be a wild roll of the dice for Seattle. And the only way it would be worth it is if you actually believe Russell Wilson was willing to hold out, which has never been right. on the table in all of this. So I don't understand why. Um, I understand why we're having this conversation because Russell Wilson clearly is a dissenter or whatever. But from Seattle's perspective, it's never made sense to me. And why would it make sense to Russell Wilson? This is another argument Dave and I got into. He's like, oh, the Jets should gobble him up. They should offer him whatever. It's like, hold on. This is a two-way street. He has a no-trade clause. He listed four teams. One of them certainly wasn't the Jets. Why would he leave to become the, if the, is the idea to become a Super Bowl champion or is the idea to just get out of Seattle? And I agree with you. I don't think it was to just get out of Seattle. I don't even think he really ever wanted to. I think he was just a little butthurt after the season. They need to protect him a little more. But the Jets wasn't an option. And I don't think the Bears was going to be a great option either, right? No. I, that was the weirdest thing about the list of trade destinations. It was like Chicago, Dallas, Vegas, New Orleans. Right. And we were like trying to connect the dots and try to find a theme between those teams. But there, like a theme did not really exist. Not even like cities with a great inner like food scene or something. I don't know. We were digging really deep trying to figure out what he wanted. The one place that would have made sense to me is if he said, I want to go to Miami. That's mm-hmm. actually a good football team. They had a high draft pick that I could have seen um, potentially, if, but it, it was never an option that he put out there. And so, you know, we just had to deal with the ones he gave us and they all seem kind of, kind of bonkers to me. Yeah. Seems to me. And we can, we can, I can further explain my point about Russell Wilson if if you so desire. Ah. But as it stands, mm-hmm. okay, let's. Just, I mean, you don't have to. Res- that was rhetorical. Neither one of you actually had to make a a, a noise to re- in response to that. It was understood. I was moving on. Now, I say that the Seahawks, as constituted, will wait and see what happens in the draft. Of course, I think there are closer. This isn't just to poke the bear once again, but. I think they're closer to fourth place in the NFC West mm. than they are first, as as they and the other three teams in the division are constituted. How say you, Kimes? I disagree with that. I do think that they're not the favorites to repeat, so I am reasonable. I'm a reasonable woman, not a full homer. But um, I think... Well, Rams are the heavy favorite, right? Rams are heavy, heavy, but they're the favorite. They're the favorite, but I have doubts about them, too, because that roster, they did lose a couple of PP key pieces in the secondary and the defensive coordinator. And mm. as we know, great defenses, sorry about your Steelers next year, are less likely to repeat year to year than great offenses. Now they're counting on an upgrade from Stafford, which I believe will happen. But that defense is, has some question marks uh, in the back and linebacker in the secondary. And then I would say the Niners, still a question mark at quarterback. We have no idea what's happening. Maybe I'm giving you a segue there if you want to talk about that. And then the Cardinals, again, I, I like the trade for Hudson and, and you know, Watts interesting, but that's secondary also ton of question marks. And I'm not sure if the offense has really improved that much either. Yeah. Let's lay it out odds wise. Cause we're talking about the Rams mm. are a favorite, not a heavy favorite. I mean, you're right. Uh, plus one seventy five to win the division, the 49ers second at two to one Seahawks plus two ninety three uh, at, at third and Arizona plus five fifty. Um, 
Yeah, I uh, listen. I, I this is not a team that's in jeopardy of going three and thirteen or four and twelve, right? They're going to have between eight and I would say eleven or twelve wins a year, right? So you got to win those close division games. I think they have some. I think you get lucky with the out of division games, right? Do you have the NFC North? Something I'm pretty sure. Like you have the line. You have a couple of uh, clunkers on there that could uh, that could you know propel you to the playoffs at least. And then it's kind of a crapshoot. I think you're in good shape there. I think our 17th game is Pittsburgh, actually. The Times Damashek Showdown. Wow. That's precisely right. And you'll get yours as will the rest of the world with the Savenge Tour 2021. (laughs) It's taking another go round here. Savenge. I do want to hear uh, what you think about that. Um, Brutal. What goes on there. But uh, like you touched on there at three, do you really believe? Because it feels like an ego move. And this is just like high-end quarterbacks have big egos. So, too, do the play callers in pro football. But this seems like a wild swing from Kyle Shanahan if he really does end up going Mac Jones. I get that he's had success with Matt Mm -hmm. Ryan and Jimmy G. But you don't say, well, let's go three overall. And let's also trade away a bunch of stuff to get to that spot so that you can take Jimmy G part two. Right. I mean, the that's mm. that's basically what Mac Jones is, isn't he? I called him Jimmy H on NFL Live, uh, which hmm. Jimmy G, some people, some Alabama fans did not love, by the way. Um, and Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy G is not bad. And Jimmy He's H, a H, better. H is after G. Um, yeah, I think it's like we're, we're kind of all trying to read the tea leaves, read the sources. Who's got the good sources? Because God knows I don't. I'm just listening to Adam Schefter like the rest of you. But um, to me, like. Empirically, the question is, does does Kyle Shanahan, who we assume is pulling the lever, we don't know, does he want the quarterback who is best equipped to operate his beautiful offense in his mind because the offense is the star, not the actual player? Or does he want the player who might elevate it or take it in a different direction? Um, my opinion, not on what he's going to do, because I truly don't know, but what I think they should do. I've been wrong the last two years, three or four years. Uh, on two players, Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. Uh, Mm -hmm. Herbert less so than Allen. And Allen, of course, made an unprecedented leap. But to me, I've had... Can we cuss on this podcast? Oh, yeah. I've had to really eat eat shit on those guys. And (laughs) my feeling is I had to eat shit because I prioritized production in college over traits. And so if I was an evaluator in 2021, I would look at that and I'd look at some of the other quarterbacks and I'd say, I'm choosing the traits, guys. And Mac Jones is not the traits guy. You know, if you want to, I, 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 I'll make Alabama fans even angrier at me because I think this is a real. I, so now he's at minus three hundred. I always have to bring the odds up here because Trevor Lawrence, that's unbettable at at number one. He's minus six thousand. Number two, Zach Wilson, who a couple weeks ago was a toss up at number two, he's now minus three thousand. You can't bet that. Now we're at minus three, and you have about a day or two to bet this before the rumors get out of control. And Mac Jones is a three-to-one favorite to get picked there. Fields plus 250 and Trey Lance plus 350. My thing with the – what did we learn about the Alabama quarterback? At best, you could say is Tua yeah. was third best, right, out of those uh, those rookies dra- rookie quarterbacks drafted. I don't know. Now now you're saying, all right, maybe it is the system. We're seeing a Heisman Trophy winner was a wide receiver for Alabama. And then you would still go out of your way and trade up for Mac Jones. It doesn't make any sense to me. And that's why I would take a chance on like a Trey Lance, right? A better built Mm. player at plus 350, runs that pro-style offense. Um, 80% of his plays were play action, which is where 
San Francisco thrived in 2019. I think they were third most passing yards under the play action formation. I'm taking a chance here, but I feel like midweek we're going to learn that it's Mac Jones and we're still going to be scratching our heads. Well, Trey Lance is a tank, man. Like yeah. when you watch that 2019, he looks like a, a big brother playing with toddlers out there at North Dakota State. Um, and again, ultimate, he is the ultimate traits guy in this mm -hmm. class. I, I was last week watching, so I've been cramming my draft tape. I was watching Oregon just to see Panay Sewell again one more time and confirm, oh, right, this person who I, I don't really understand this position at a high level, but I can tell he is dominating at it. And when you watch that Oregon offense, it sucks. It is boring. <laughs> there are not good skill players. And Justin Herbert doesn't look good. I, like right. I, when I watched it, I was like, and was I crazy? Right. Because he's so awesome in the NFL. And when you watch the college tape, he doesn't look good in college. And you realize, man, this guy was really held back by his circumstances. And again, maybe you don't want, as, as you're saying about Mac and, and Tua, maybe you don't want to bet on the guys in the ideal circumstances um, because they won't be ideal when they get to the NFL. Well, that's right. If you can't do that math, then you're not going to succeed, I assume, as a personnel guy in pro football. But right, I am always spooked a little bit. I'm a pedigree snob on one hand. But on the other hand, I'd be awfully concerned about drafting the passenger to the 18-wheel uh, juggernaut in college football, Matt Leinart at USC wasn't that long ago is a good example of what I'm talking about. But Trey Lance is, you say, traits guy, relative in the context of a Patrick Mahomes dominated NFL. He is a Patrick Mahomes traits guy. To me, Justin Fields is the answer um, at three for San Francisco over Trey Lance. I guess you could groom him, do the thing of Jimmy G for a year and then turn over the keys to Trey Lance in 2022. I think Justin Herbert though, to uh, after that uh, 42 second monologue, um, I feel like Justin Herbert and the Chargers, as much as we love Patrick Mahomes and everything else, I think that's the team to beat in the AFC West this year. How say you to that bold take? I've, I've gone against you in the past, Dave. I'll never forget that fateful day at Rams training camp at 2018, <laughs> 19. When did the Niners go to those? Mm -hmm. What happened there? What, tell everybody that story. Kyle. Yeah, I, I'm eating shit again, yet again. I don't mean, it's not to denigrate you. It's to celebrate you know, you me. Don't I you volunteered this story. Let okay. the record hold. You didn't ask for it. You didn't tell it. I I offered it up on a plate, so I'm there. All I'm I ever want is a par all I ever want is a parade. That's a, Look, why can't I have a parade? Throw one. I'm giving you the verbal equivalent of a parade. So Thank I'm you. I'm there. I'm I'm sweaty. I'm hot. I'm watching scouting the preseason Rams. And who do I see? Dave Damashek doing a hit corner of the field. Uh, Eddie Spaghetti was there. I'm pretty sure. And he comes up to me, and we're talking about the NFC West and my Seahawks, my beloved. Seahawks. And he says to me, you know what? I think San Francisco's going to win the division. This is mm. 19 or eight, 19. Yeah. 19, yeah. I laughed in his face. I'm not going to lie. With uh, You know what you I, said I with that secondary? That's what you said. Yeah. Did you say that? She said I did that. say that. Well, said that. well beware Shanny, what he's going to build to build there. <laughs> So listen, so yeah, I know great. I know my Western portion of uh, of football America times. I'll say you, I really do like the way they're constituted, <laughs> the Chargers. I like Justin Herbert in year two. Um, I know the assumption is Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of all time, and perhaps he is, but I think that um, the Super Bowl in which he just played and lost because of the bad offensive line still stands as the best roster he's ever going to be on going forward. That was the best team 
um, that he'll ever be on, unless it was the Super Bowl winning team two years ago. If Patrick Mahomes has to play behind an offensive line like the one we saw in the Super Bowl Yuck. ever yeah. again, the the Brett V the entire Chiefs organization should be fired. I disagree with you. I think that was the worst offensive line he will ever play behind. Yeah, a- I, I, I'm sorry. Right. Yes, that offensive line on that Super Sunday. I mean, but that mean the roster run. is as fleshed out a top to bottom roster until the Super for Bowl that season. Right. And if he had had a half an average offensive line, he would have won because he is the best quarterback I've ever seen. I will not pick against him. I, mm. I, I disagree with you. However, I do believe the Chargers are a playoff team. I think so too, Dave. I don't think the play is plus 450 to win the division because the Chiefs are, again, what are they going to go? What, what's their basement? 10 wins, 10 and seven. Well, now you have 17 games. So 10 and seven. Now they'll be, Oof, they'll be, they'll be, I don't hate, like that. Hate that. Right. Hate that. Still not, right. never going to get used to that. I know. I, I know. I have to, I have to redo it in my head every time. It's, it's not going to be good. But um, yeah, Chiefs at minus 390. Maybe the Chargers get a wild card and make some noise. It could be the, the Bucks of uh, last year. Bucks lost five games and, Still in the mix. They beat, um, you know, that Washington quarterback whose name everyone forgot. And then it was a, a glorious run with Breeze, Rogers, and uh, and Mahomes. All right. It's four. Oh, wait. Wait. So it'll be like 10 months from now, you know, once again, or nine months from now, you can wipe the confetti that just fell down in the Damashek parade that Kimes <laughs> just threw and say, like, you were right again, Dave. And then you have to throw me another parade. That's your I choice. just think you take them at 16 to 1 to win the AFC versus winning the division. What do they care? It is weird that they were both 12 and four it was two years ago, right? That they were both 12 and four and the Chiefs won the division on a, on a tiebreaker. But well, I mean, those the way those things seed out is everything. And, and you know, we, we it becomes yeah. a little footnote in history. But of course, you know, over the last as we always talk about the last dozen years who where you get seed in the playoffs determines just about everything. And so that game that week 17 game up in Seattle um, in late December, a couple of years ago, decided everything. The Niners yeah. don't go to the playoffs if uh, if the Seahawks, what was it, scored it? Yeah, scored on the last play mm-hmm. of the game. And, Inches yeah, away. Swung everything, right. Mina, why don't uh, Dave took a swipe at your Seahawks? We're going to let you retaliate to hit for his Steelers and my Cowboys. I do want to know, although I do, I, I saw your interview and I found out, and I agree with you, what the Cowboys should do in the 10th spot. I think they go defensively. I know Kyle Pitts said, talk about Pitts, a freak of an athlete, best athlete on the board, best player on the board. If he's there, they have to take him, even with all the offensive weapons. But I was looking, and uh, and Jerry Jones is apparently infatuated with him, but he should also be infatuated with not giving up 50 points a game. <laughs> I mean, from weeks two to six, they allowed 44 points a game. And that doesn't just get better. I think they have to address defensive concerns. Um, Patrick Sertain right there, I think, is favored to be the Cowboys pick. J.C. Horn, another cornerback, is right there. You agree, right? Defensive pick and yeah. don't trade up. Yeah, yeah if, if Pitts was fell to them, I would take this because I think he's a generational prospect. Any new adjective for that? Maybe, Dave, you can help me. You're good with words. Transcendent. Mm. Um, I know we do use generational too much officially at this era agnostic, maybe, but anyways, by uh, definition, if you are a generational player, then there, you are only one at that position. Yeah. Generation is now every five or six years now, right? How about all galaxy instead of all pro? He's a galaxy prospect. Gold standard. That's good too. Ooh, I have Um, a good one. Elite. Oh, Oh, I haven't heard that. That would work. Um, So yeah, he's elite, but yeah, you can't weigh too many needs on that deep. Like I was putting together my team needs 
sheet mm-hmm. for going into the draft and Cowboys, it's literally every position on defense. You either need a starter or depth, in my opinion. I think mm-hmm. on offense, it's really just depth at the line. So it, it, they, there's just way too many issues on that defense to not address it or to trade up for an offensive player. I still like, I like Dallas because I think that defense, so many of the problems with that team last year, were coaching and execution. And those are the kind of teams I like to bet on to come back. Yeah. Obviously they've got, Coordinator. All right. They had some injuries, some COVID issues, high in Dallas, less high on the Pittsburgh Steelers because oh, they're, they're weakened at Bernie's approach to quarterback. Oh, uh, it doesn't work away. for me. I love it. Wait, what did you say? So I want that good and clean because I want to remember it okay. for, for all of time. Oh, I'm happy to do this because um, I, I made this call in like week five or four last you year did. when That's the Steelers true. You were. Did. Yeah, thank yeah, Where's my parade for being right about no, Ben no. Roethlisberger being washed? But I, uh, okay. No, no. We you, can't have parades, you, guys. You We're you not officially fully open what, here. You observed yeah. what was empirically true. <laughs> Roethlisberger was dinking and dunking his way, but there were, but no matter because they were winning every week. So that was fine. I, I got I, emails. I wasn't gonna... Emails. Ben Roethlisberger could still throw a deep ball. What do you know? Like Not for me. Okay, can, but. He can throw it deep, but it's not going to go anywhere near the wide receiver. That's oh, true. But good. you know what? You know good. what, Kimes? You may have gone to an Ivy League school, but you it doesn't make you a doctor. I'm not one either, and no. I don't think Sal is, unless no. maybe he he did that before after law school. Um, the thing that we really legitimately, that nobody has answered for me, and I floated it out there, and I've asked people uh, adjacent to the medical field, including my own father, like, is it the same as an ACL? Is it? In year two, after you're talking about the yes, a year two after major surgery, does it get better like an ACL does for players? If it does, and he's able to return to being one of the mm. half dozen best deep ball throwers on the planet Earth, then they have no issue whatsoever at QB. Um, and the greater issue is clearly not the quarterback, it is the state or was the state of the offensive line and the complete lack of a run game, um, not to mention probably not being terribly flexible philosophically about uh, what he was willing to do offensively. And that's the other big question with Roethlisberger in 2021. Will he abide by Matt Canada's offensive choices instead of steamrolling them and, and checking out of them at the line? That's that. Those are the big questions. I, I, the sky is falling thing for Pittsburgh uh, I, I am not going to buy into. And Sal can tell you, I am way more pessimistic about my teams than I am optimistic, generally speaking. It's a tough division. Um, but yeah, the line is the problem. I've seen these mocks out here with the Steelers taking like a running back. And I'm like, well, a running back? Mm. Behind whom? Who's this? Is this hypothetical running back, Najee Harris or whoever running? Um, the line is just, an, it's a, that's the big issue with Pittsburgh. I agree with you. I, Dave, Dave says he's not embracing the sky is falling then. But when we talk about who's going to win the AFC North, the Steelers don't even come up in the conversation. He likes the Browns and then the Ravens potentially can knock off the Browns. I don't, do you even have the Steelers third, Dave? Sal, I like the sweet spot of low expectation. It's oh, okay. how I've lived my entire life. Um, and it's met with middling results. So why shouldn't I apply the same standard to the Pittsburgh Steelers here in 2021? Yes. This sets up nicely. I'd rather the, the Cleveland Browns are are the team that we're all in fear of. That that's fine with me. That's what I want. And do you agree though? Legitimately, I think 
given the roster and if you can wash off the last 50 years of stink, the Browns stand is, you know, if you look at what have you done for me lately, the Browns would appear to be the class of that division, not the Baltimore Ravens. Mm. And I have more concerns about the Ravens in year three and a half of Lamar Jackson and that offense, their inability to get a wide receiver and the diminishment of the front seven, which is everything for Baltimore's defense. I'll say you. Yeah, I think that's the 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 Ravens. My biggest concern with the team is there are still holes in the roster going into the draft. Like when you have two positions, you really need to address uh, wide receiver and edge rusher. In this case, having lost, you know, a, a lot of the talent in that front seven, you start getting worried about, are we, is this really a playoff team? I think the Cleveland Browns have the better roster and the Ravens have the plus quarterback who can at times like really elevate the team and, and do crazy things. And it becomes a kind of a question of which one matters more. Um, I don't know. I think we'll see early on with Baltimore. If the offense looks as stale as it did last season at times, particularly obviously the pass game, but people forget in 2019, that team had a, the pass game was electric. It's not like, um, you know, it, they, they couldn't pass the ball at all for two years. So I'll be very curious to see. They hired a new pass game coordinator. I think it was Devonte Adams, wide receiver coach, a guy who's coached mm-hmm. a lot of the better wide receivers in the NFL. If that makes any difference, I think we'll see it early on. And if not early on, then I would go all in on Cleveland. Interesting. Yeah, they're talking about Antonio Brown working out with the team and everything. Maybe it is just someone like that who can make a difference. I don't know what the answer is with L- Lamar Jackson. Like, if what what makes him better? Right? He's just such he's such an enigma back there, and uh, he does things his own way. So I'm not sure even what type of receiver would be great, but they are like one little piece away from getting back. I think to. 10, 11, 12. I mean, the, 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 if they could swing something to get Kyle Pitts, and that's why they went hard after Juju Smith-Schuster. Sure. That's what they they need. They need those guys that uh, destroy the seams. And if you throw him, um, uh, you, I mean, it, it's imperfect when a clunky tight end, an undrafted tight end, a low pedigree tight end is is your go-to option in the past. I mean, Mark Andrews is very nice, but they need another guy that's to, it. to do that. I mean... I, it it's bad. I really do think it's diminishing returns for that offense, and it's uh, it should be a red flag. And the Ravens in their in their um, personnel department understood two years ago the potential liability of this is attracting pass catchers who want to be a part of this offense in pro football. And now the we see the results. People don't want to be a part of this. If if you have a mm. choice, go somewhere where you might get a pro level number of targets. Not in that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess Juju really just wanted those. Six-yard hospital balls over the middle of the field from <laughs> oh, Avenge Tour. What a stinker! That, that's good. Know. See, that's what I was waiting for. That's good. Uh, okay, come say it. I want you to say, get on the record. This is an important one to weigh in right. on now. What do you Can want you? me to say? Go ahead. I, I mean, I know it's Ben's washed. I've been saying that out loud for a year. Okay, I'm happy. Uh, I'll say it with my chest. Pittsburgh fans, come at me. Washed means okay in a quarterback league, though. That means, and this is the thing, Sal, that we go back and forth on all the time, is QB wins. Like, they either matter or they don't. He's never had a losing season. Are you going to predict that? QB wins. If he's washed, if he's washed and the roster is, is... at in the state it is, which is everybody keeps oh blah blah so many losses on defense and blah the offensive line like 
Well, then they certainly have to go seven or nine or worse, right? In a tough You want division. a record prediction for Pittsburgh from seven me? Not a, you don't have to say seven. a record. I'm just saying, are you going to say if in the quarterback league, then the Steelers certainly can't be a playoff team if if they have a bum at QB, right? Keep in mind, Dave's got him in third place now, so you're not really offended. No, I, I may end up south, depending on the draft. They uh, they they may well end up being my my second team out of the North. Okay. And I'll wild, go with so. a, a smooth seven and ten. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. Seven and ten. I like the way that sounds. Seven, eight, and, and nine, Dave. He could then Tomlin could say, "Hey, I still have the eight win thing. I never get fewer than eight <laughs> wins." But he's eight and nine now instead of eight <laughs> and eight. God, I, think I, I don't that. like that. Nine and eight. Oh. Well, I love that we're talking about this. I really do. The NFL draft, I, I feel like, you know, there's four different stops before we get to the season. The NFL draft being one, uh, you know, preseason. When the fantasy football magazines first come out, that's a big milestone, although now everything's online. Uh, but I know uh, you appreciate it as much as anyone, Mina. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. What do you have to plug? Give it. Tell us all. Oh, yeah. Everybody can see you. My podcast is Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny. Yeah. Um, my co-host who's in one of his many beds behind me right now. And, uh, we're, we're covering the draft. We're doing a lot of draft previews at the moment, going through the offensive and defensive stars this week's defense. Just finished watching the, uh, DBs. Pretty excited about that. Your future, uh, cornerback Patrick Sertan, the second, very impressed by him. So, uh, yeah, check it out wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Buy low on the Cowboys. Sell. Uh, Dude, you know, I'm a Dak lover. So I always buy. I'm always buying Dak. I feel like I, Cowboys, I, you, I'm, I'm, it's me against Dan Orlovsky. I'm the Dak lover yeah. and Dak fighter. So. And it seems like I went through the same thing as like just fending off people like, oh, Dak could go to the Bears. Dak could go. I was like, no, Dak's not going out. You went through the same thing with Russell Wilson. They're not going anywhere. I know, it's, Dave, this is. You, you look at their stats. This is the biggest case against QB wins. These guys are having their best years ever, Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott, and they're out of that three- to four-year window. So, my, I, I Listen, I, my point about QB wins is you cannot be on, an, on a perennial loser if you are a high-end quarterback. Drew That's Brees, very three, different from wins very and quarterback stat. That's just like, no, no, oh, no. yeah. You- the one everybody held up, and it's a completely different – conversation I mean to uh, drag us down with a Deshaun Watson reference but for all the oh Deshaun Watson look at him stuck in Houston it, it's it would be another thing if it were year three of him being on a loser it just doesn't happen high-end quarterbacks in the 21st century are not on a protracted loser that that means the QB wins are a thing but your podcast maybe should be I I, I figured it out it's in the Mina time in the Mina time. What do you think of that, Times? I don't understand it. In the Mina time. Just nod. It, it's, it's, it's such a quicker way to get off. Now. All right, I'm going to like, pull hey, my good, powerful man. vote to have... Uh, I, I've advocated before to for the Monday Night Football booth, a uh, an analyst booth, a three-person booth of, I don't care who, Matt Money-Smith, let's put him in there as your play-by-play guy, and then Mina Kimes and Ryan Clark, and then we all uh, ascend uh, cloud nine as we watch football games. That would be a great We're going one. to Cleveland. Ryan's Ryan and I and, a couple, and Dan and Laura and Marcus to cover the draft together, so check it out. How are you? Excellent. Yeah, yes. Well, is that Lena time? What are you going for, Dave? Leaner, leaner time. I didn't understand. In the meantime. Oh, in the meantime. Oh, in the, the meantime. Uh, oh, in the I mean time. What do you mean you don't get it, Mina? It's like you like 
being named Amy and not knowing there's a song named Amy. That's that's weird. You didn't get it's tough because you're 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 With doing your a variation of both words and, and I names. hate to do this. This is the first guest I have to do this with Sal, but I'm sorry, yeah. but Mina is now suspended. I don't <gasps> well, I only like to do it to listeners, but I didn't like the that was that was that was a second shot. And that that I won't stand for. Let's give her a chance though, Dave, to redeem to remain a time. No, say I'm gonna just gonna let that go. Ranch on pizza or no ranch on pizza? I, I like your initial reaction there, I think. Uh, I would dip the crust in the ranch, but not put the ranch on the actual pizza. We we made, we had a poll here, and I thought it would be overwhelmingly in favor of no ranch, and it was like fifty four forty six only, way too close for my and Dave's liking that people were against ranch. But oh my oh. god, there it is! Oh, we, oh. Seen it. <laughs> if you didn't believe it, we have the visual. I know you're right. We did lead the we did we did lead the witness a little bit, but even so, it's it's a it's a small margin. I would say dip the crust is is more acceptable than what I've seen, Dave. People just slathering it with the with ranch over the top, over the pepperoni and and cheese and and sauce and everything. But it's to me, it's just it's it speaks to one in a world that offers blue cheese dressing. He or she (laughs) who would choose the ranch willfully. Um, indicates self-esteem issues. Okay. I love blue cheese. So, uh... See, there you go. Yeah, you go blue cheese over ranch. As long as that's, as long as that's your standing um, philosophy, there you go. Then, uh, we're, we're okay, but you're still suspended. You that's can okay. hear I'll her. Co- just, I'll she, be back on my Savenge we'll tour. <laughs> She'll be back. Mina and Lenny, you could see them dipping crust into uh, ranch dressing. ESPN on the next, in the Mina time. No, still not working. Check her out on ESPN. That Mina, thanks so much. I'm counting this as meeting you, okay? Me too. This is nice. Mina too, see? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't say that. And again, it's yeah, like Dave. you can't, it's not happening. Let it it's go. It's really man. not. It's not Suspended. <laughs> thanks for coming on, Mina. Appreciate it. All right, our guest today is coming off Really a truly great week. His mighty Celtics beat the Bucks Friday night. His USC Trojans are in the Elite Eight. And he skunked some punk high school kid 11-0 for millions and millions to see. Former NBA champion, the White Mamba, Brian Scalabrini. What's happening, buddy? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I I, I do. Now that you reminded me, I had a, such a great week last week. I got to live up to that potential once again. I hope I have another good week. How do you top it? I guess USC could keep winning. Are you surprised at this? Day? I mean, everyone's surprised, right, that they went this far. But my God, they seem so talented to have lost seven games in a regular season. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is like they're they're playing with a tremendous amount of poise right now. And you see like Gonzaga, they look like an NBA team and the way they execute and the shots they get. And say, same with USC see like those guys get good possessions and guys don't feel frazzled like you watch a lot of college basketball you'll see a lot of guys that just like it just kind of helter skelter those two teams to me align with the the way the NBA plays right now and I'm so used to watching the NBA though I wish that those two teams could meet up later but the Gonzaga USC game is going to be tough oh I love I first of all Scalabrini I love that uh, you're calling it Gonzaga that's Mm. that's a disrespect right out of the gate Gonzaga how do you feel though about the Pac-12, because we've our pal Jeff Schwartz over here. You know, he's an Oregon guy. And before the week, he's like, hey, Pac-12, man, it's awesome for the conference to do well. 
I feel this is wrong. You can't you you root for one team in the conference and then hate everyone else. They're your rivals after all. How say you, Scalabrini? I I, I say opposite. I say I root oh. for the conference. Yeah, no, I think about it. UCLA was playing Alabama yesterday, and I was rooting for UCLA. I want I want to establish the Pac-12 as the most dominant conference. I don't. I'm not into the rival stuff when it comes to tournament time. Now against USC for sure, but. No, that's you know how you know it all comes down to money. So more more conference wins, more money in the conference. Oh, money! This is what fans are worried about. Is like what the com how much money the conference <laughs> is making. What, yeah, how woke get, are we going to be as a fan base here? This is you, getting new, a little uh, new uh, new facilities, new weight room, new this, new tracks, new basketball <laughs> courts, all that stuff, right? And and respect, and that's what you. Know, I want. We want the respect. I want my damn respect. I could see maybe to a certain point you're rooting. All right. Hey, it would be fun to have three uh, Pac-12 teams in the final four. But don't you, if USC, UCLA rather made the finals and won, you don't want to see cutaways and their fans going crazy and everything, right? Don't you root against them at some at some point? You have yeah, to pull yeah, the I'll draw the line there. Okay, yeah, good. but to have four, three teams in the in the final four, I would root yeah. up until that point. But no, I, I obviously. If it came down, no, I actually would root for the Pac-12 to get another national championship. Really? Even what if the hell? That doesn't help you if UCLA <laughs> yes, it wins. It's, it's, yes, it then does. they will recruit better, not you. No, it does. It does because it brings more notoriety to the conference. You got to root. I mean, this is the way I always felt. You got to root team first, conference second. And, mm -hmm. and you can't waver based off of, of petty rivalries. Right. Uh, and what All about right, then it? go Nets, right? I mean, is that it? Is like so if the Nets play the Lakers, are you No, nah, the NBA Nets? is a different animal. There's no extra <laughs> money involved in the Nets winning versus the Celtics. All right. uh, or or no, 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 no. NBA okay, is a good. different animal. In college, you want your conference to do well. You want the notoriety of your conference after your team. All right. Well, I'm dizzy from all this. So we'll, we'll, have, we'll have to sort it out later, Dave. Now there's just two athletes uh, that are, are telling us they root for the conferences. Maybe we're wrong. We're on the wrong side. What do you think, though, Brian? You think they could, uh, USC could hang with Gonzaga? The problem, I think, is you get, look at the Mobley brothers and how dominant they've been. Maybe not the top two best players on the court in that game, right? Suggs is going to be a number one pick. Teammate's great. Like, I, I don't know that they stack up. And obviously, you have to hold US, uh, sorry, Gonzaga to. 75 to be in it, I think. Sure. Transition. That's what it all comes down to. They both mm -hmm. execute well in the half court. They both play with a tremendous amount of poise, but the Zags are a little bit faster in transition. They get out and run. So it, USC has to take great shots. You can't miss layups because those turn to buckets for the Zags. You can't miss. You can't get turnovers. You can't get your shot blocked at the rim. So it comes down to transition. If they can get back, they'll be fine. All right. You were part of that uh, Elite Eight team, right? They, uh, you had to run into that Duke squad. Who they have? Jay Williams, Batty A. They had a bunch of – oh, they Yeah, have Boozer, Dunleavy, Duhon. Oh, yeah, they had five NBA players on that team, and uh, it was a good run. Very similar. We were a six seed. We, yeah. like, we, we played some top, you know, Kentucky, just like they played Kansas, and they had some really impressive wins. And so – I think the difference now would be like, and similar with, we played Duke, who was the best team in the country that year. Yeah. They're playing Gonzaga, the best team in the country to go to the final four. So a lot of similarities, but I think the talent on this team is much more than what we had. Yeah. Scalabrini, I see that uh, you won a uh, world championship <laughs> with the Boston Celtics some years ago. Congratulations um, on that. Let's talk about the, the current edition of these Celtics here. I caught a lot of crap in Boston a week or two ago because 
people who I thought knew told me, oh, yeah, Brad Stevens is about to announce. And it could be as soon as end of this day, the time that I said this. Oh, Boston got very mad at me. Explain to me that Brad Stevens might leave the Celts to go why back he, to college. Why? why would, he, oh, but 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 people like Woj and everybody else jumped in and said, this is nonsense because no no NBA head coach would ever leave the league to go back to college. To yeah. me, it seems uh, on some levels more desirable to be in the college town, to be in the the fire of a, of a, you know, a, a tough town like Boston. Yeah. You know? I, I'll, I'll sum it up really easily for you. Brad loves uh, college basketball. He loves coaching college basketball, begging a 17 year old kid with the parents and the AAU uh, coach there. And, can you bring my, my, my teammate on my team and the recruiting process? It's not an NBA. NBA is a much more cut and dry way of doing it. Right. Mm. You have salary caps, you have max contracts, you have mid-level exceptions. You're not in there begging people to come. You talk to the agents, the, the players like, okay, I like what you guys are doing. Let's go. The, the whole recruiting process is what I think would draw the line for Brad Stevens being in the gyms and, in July, August, and and trying to recruit, and like I said, chasing around eighteen year old kids and trying to convince them that you're going to help them get to the NBA while they're going to help you win a national championship. I think that's where you draw that hard line of like, I'm not, I don't want to do that. Speaking of chasing eighteen year old kids, you were on the unfortunate. Well, it ended up being the fortunate end of a challenge. Um, it was last week. It was a gym and a high school kid. What does he see you working out? And what did what happened exactly? He called you out because the yeah. first part was was cut off, but you made him uh, pay for it. Yeah, yeah, they did a good job of editing that. So, like, <laughs> I was so my daughter who plays was about to do a scrimmage, and mm -hmm. girls when they get together at the very start, they always talk and they put their shoes on, they ask how the day went, they look at their phones, like it's it's nuts, right? Like we got in the gym, we go right to the court. They get into the gym and they got to like catch up, right? So. While that's happening, I'm just warming up. I'm just getting back. I kind of hurt my back. I play a ton, by the way, still. I just mm. hurt my back about six weeks ago, and I'm just getting back into playing, so I'm trying to dial my shot in. And some high school punk comes over to me and starts, like, talking trash. Now, don't get me wrong. I play high school kids one-on-one -on -one all the time, and most of the time, they're really respectful about it. Hey, I was just wondering if I could see where I stand or stack up against an NBA player, a former NBA player. This guy came over with the heat, started talking major trash from the beginning, and I didn't want to play. So what I usually do to deter people from playing is I always have them put something on the line. Like, all right, let's, I know kids love their phones, so I always like, all right, put your iPhone up. I'll put mine, brand new. You put yours, winner takes the phone. <laughs> and I was thinking at that point that would deter him from wanting to play because no kid wants to now all of a sudden – a chance to play is different than a chance to lose my phone, right? right? So at that point, he kept, he didn't bat an eye at it. He was like, put the phones up then. Let's go. <laughs> so then I'm like, oh, man, I got to play. I don't really want to play right now. I'm not, I haven't really played basketball in a while because I'm just coming back from this back injury, right? And so I had to level up, man. He, he wasn't backing down, so I had to go over there and play him. And at that point, you know, like if I was in and I warmed up and ready, then I had to put the smackdown on him versus like trying to help a young kid out, which I do all the time. Like, right. Hey, whenever you're driving, you want to get into my body because you got to do this. So with that kid, I was like, I'm going to destroy you. And that's basically wow. what I did. Wow. Imagine having such confidence, Dave. Was was anything other than 11, nothing acceptable? Like if you would, you have, would it have ruined your day if he had scored three on you? It wouldn't have been as good of a story if he right. would have scored a couple of points. But I'll tell you what, a lot of people don't believe here's, Here's the misconception. 
you can talk to a lot of people and they're like, common sense says you're not going to beat an NBA player one-on-one. Mm-hmm. I think the shocking thing is if an NBA player doesn't want you to score, you're probably not going to score against him either. And that's where the divide is. I'll go around right now and I can talk to a hundred people and a hundred people would tell you, I can get a bucket on you. A hundred people won't say they can beat you. A lot, all these people believe that they can score, but they do until they're out there. And I always said, Mike Tyson said it. Everyone has a plan until they get hit in the face. Well, everyone mm-hmm. has a plan until you get an elbow in your chest and I go up for a layup and you go five feet flying wow. backwards. I think, right. I think, I uh, sincerely, I think you honored the NBA and you did the right thing. You cannot allow an inch here. If you, I mean, the pressure is on you on behalf of Jerry West on, as the logo on down. If, 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 if the guy got a bucket off of you, that's a disgrace. Good for yeah. you. I'm glad you brought uh, the hammer down am, on this nonsense. I am 10 years out and 43 years old. <laughs> and I have like, just like you guys have a lot of jobs. You got to, I got to fit basketball in. This is a high school right. player playing every single day. He's on AAU teams. He's on his high school team. So like there will be a time where I will lose <laughs> to a high school kid. It doesn't like, besides LeBron, like father time is undefeated. Like LeBron has beat father time, but father time, is undefeated there will be a time when i lose this game but as of now can you beat every high school kid in the country no every single one. man you go watch you go watch some of the top players he wasn't really? a top player no nah, i'm sure those guys will beat me uh, okay. these guys are these young guys now with personal coaches and all this stuff and working you know three four hours a day it's, it's just big business now but no i i m- m- might might be able to beat some all americans but i'm there's there's five guys out there that can beat me there's 10 guys out there that can beat me no question mm. Scalabrini, could you now, should we, uh, this is a a curmudgeon stuff out of me and Sal and otherwise get upset with me about this. I think we lie to ourselves if we act like college basketball is at the same level it was even when you were around. And really it's the one and done thing that the NBA is requiring these 18 year olds to spend that year. I think it's diminished the quality of play. And now Every game feels like a coin flip result. Oral Roberts was almost one of the eight la- uh, teams standing at this point. Mm-hmm. It's gotten to a point of silliness, right? The, the tournament is fun, no doubt. Red Dawn is a fun movie to watch, too, but you can also identify its flaws. And this tournament is fundamentally flawed as trying to evaluate who's the best team at this point. Brian, could you, you first could you first explain to Dave how hard it would be to flip a coin and get three ones and a two in the grade eight? Explain, yeah, Dave. That, just explain. All right, Oral Roberts that. almost won. What's yeah, yeah. You can keep no. talking about one of the teams, but why is it three ones and a two in the grade eight? Like it just no, your it, coin it, flip it, theory you, is terrible. Just terrible. so you look at it as flawed. I actually think it brings like the one and dones bring more excitement to it because a junior, a senior, a bunch of yeah. seniors, a bunch of juniors and seniors actually can beat five guys that are going to the draft next year. Like I don't know if. Um, if the kid Max Abe Smith is going to make it to the NBA or not, or if he'll be a specialist guy or whatever. But the fact that he, they might be able to upset, you know, like three guys in the lottery, two guys in the lottery. I think that's what makes it fun. Alabama should have beat like Alabama has all these athletes, but UCLA, their basketball IQ was off the chart. The, the, the execution, the picking them apart defensively, offensively, forcing them to do what they don't want to do. Like that's what makes the tournament better it's because you're you're not looking at all these finished products the nba is so predictable you got most finished products they all do the same thing there's 10 different ways to win and 10 different ways to lose so i actually 
think the opposite of you saying it's flawed. I like the fact that a team with some seniors can come in there and win a national championship. Yeah, well, don't sing worry. UCLA fight song, so. then why don't you? <laughs> I'm not doing that. Sing the Pac-12 fight song. That's what we need, Sal. We need no, a whole yeah, conference but, fight song. No, 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 no. But if you watch, you can see like there's like when it comes to NBA players, Alabama had more NBA players because yeah. of size, length, athleticism, and all that than UCLA. But UCLA. Even though they hit that game and we went to overtime, poise, IQ, uh, execution, that's what won it. By the way, I have it on good authority that former Pac-12 players, the O'Bannons, it goes on and on, were rooting for the high school kid against you. So I'm not sure how this, uh, <laughs> how this translates. Can you, imagine, okay. can you imagine in the 70s, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in a gym being like, kid, we're playing for phones. And he's like, what? The, the thing hanging in my kitchen wall? The thing? Yep, yep, we're playing for phones. Go have your mother drive it over. Unbelievable. I didn't, I didn't take his phone and I didn't, didn't take, take his it? shoes. I just, I couldn't do it. I didn't want mommy and daddy calling me. And by the way, I had no idea this thing was going to go viral. Literally, I have zero idea. This is like a Tuesday for me. It's not anything special. <laughs> the only thing that made it special was the kid did not bat an eye. And I think he really thought he was going to beat me. What did he say afterwards? I'm so sorry to keep getting back. No, to no, he was just, he was embarrassed by in front of all his friends. <laughs> yeah. It was a tough day. They were, his friends, you guys seen Rocky Four, right? Rocky sure. went into Russia. They were booing yeah. him and all that stuff. By round five, they were cheering for Rocky and it was a disgrace to the Russian. That's how his friends were. Like they were killing me <laughs> until it was 3 0. And then they started the ship. By eight, yeah. they were chanting my name, Scow, Scow, Scow. <laughs> yeah, we want to root for the winner. You know what you should have done? You should have taken one shoe. That would have oh, been even more great. humiliating. Yeah. <laughs> Let him walk around with one shoe. There, there is his, there's his bad. I like Scalabrini, by the way. Those people uh, embarrassed themselves and their nation that night, that Christmas night in uh, oh yeah in, in Moscow. Russia? Cheer yeah. Yeah. Uh, like uh, Balboa strikes their their hero a couple of times on the jaw, and they flip and they start chanting <laughs> USA. That was an embarrassment. But what about if? Oh, you, you don't know me and Sal. Sal's, uh, what are you, like 5'4", Sal? Something like that. Oh, I'm about 6'1". Could we, well, we're a little older than you, let's say. Could we beat you two on one? Would that, oh, do, I, do you I think played, that would be uh, fair? I don't know how good you guys are, but I'm very, very good. good but yeah. I played three radio guys here in Boston. Three? And I beat them. I let them score. I beat them 11-1. So, wow. three guys. <laughs> Three radio guys. If you guys could shoot, if you could shoot, you could beat me. Put it at two on one. I can't cover that much space. But if you can only make layups, you will not get a layup against yeah. me. But if you can shoot, then you can beat me because I can only cover so much ground. That's oh, not fair. How did you get so much high? Hey, you know what else isn't fair? The NBA and these trades and I don't know. What, what do you see? It just seems like a few. it was only a few years ago that David Stern said, no, Chris Paul can't come to the Lakers. That would be unfair. And now you have these teams loading up and the Nets, like, where does it end? Now they, they sign uh, Aldridge well, and uh, is it fine? Do you, uh, are you okay with this? And then the Lakers yeah. get drumming. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. Like the fans, the internet, Twitter, everyone's going nuts at Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge are signing with the Nets. Right. And everyone's going nuts about it. Mm -hmm. But do you know who, like if the Nets got Rashawn Holmes out of Sacramento, no one would bat an eye but Rashawn Holmes is much better for their for the Nets mm. than both those guys. But you know how it's like when people think it's Blake Griffin jumping over a Kia and it's a Marcus <laughs> Aldridge, one of the biggest free agents ever. Like the game has passed both those guys. When you think about the speed of the game, now can they contribute? Yes. 
but they're a fraction of what they were. And this is a fast game now. And the big men are not necessarily household names, guys who are better than those guys. No one knows, but they just are remembering Blake Griffin, the commercials, and Marcus Aldridge, the free agency. They're not seeing, like, they're not watching Blake Griffin in Detroit, or maybe they're not even seeing LaMarcus Aldridge in San Antonio. So it's not, it's, it's kind of an overreaction from the name, not the game. Yeah. But is it, I, I feel like that the older gang is, is the, are the people who don't like what's happening in the NBA, but you were there for, I guess the original big three really, or mm-hmm. the 21st century version of what a big three is, or big four, if we include you in that, in that, uh, in that Celtics title <laughs> run, uh, 12, 15 years ago. Um, I, I get that people are uncomfortable with change and progress and system, but this is basically what it is. Instead of a GM doing it for the Lakers in say 1980 and getting Kareem and Magic and James Worthy together, this is the player level. This is uh this is uh the working class pulling together. Uh, this is this is the way it's going to be, whether you like it or not, right? This yeah. is the extension of it. I I don't have a problem. I think people have the right to play with who they want to play for and I just wish, like you said, that that Chris Paul trade that was vetoed. Yeah, it would be interesting if, um, you know, like if the Houston Rockets. I think it's one of the worst trades in the history of the NBA. What they got in return mm. for James Harden, who might win the MVP this year. It's like it's amazing that guy started out handing honey bun bags to rappers with strippers around, and all of a sudden <laughs> now he might be hosting the MVP <laughs> trophy right next to Adam Silver, where they laugh, smile, take the picture, and they whisper things into each other's ear during the time. Like, I don't even think what kind of bizarre world that we live in, <laughs> but it doesn't mean he doesn't deserve it. He 100% at this point deserves winning the MVP, but uh, I think I he goes on a run. I think, he, I think you see like five out of six 40 point games from Harden, and then he's <laughs> really in the conversation. And then other players uh, fraternize with strippers. They're like, hey, this ended up being a good thing. Oh, listen, here. Ray Lewis was the Super Bowl MVP. MVP that, that you think yeah I don't think there's anything James Harden could do he just gained a little bit of weight before yeah. uh, before he made it up to New Jersey but is this the best uh, it occurs to me that LeBron obviously at the height of his powers is the best and Dwayne Wade was pretty close there and then Bosch made a powerhouse one um Celts too it was always oh Paul Pierce gets the shot if it if it's a last second situation this to me feels like wait let's let's pull back a little bit it's James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. This crazy. I mean, these are these are three of the thirty best scoring NBA players in the history of people. True. Let's let's divide that out. We have the top two, maybe yeah. let's say two of the top three uh, score best scores of our generation. Whatever the two thousand ten mm-hmm. to twenty, whatever these guys play. Let's just Durant and Harden, and then you have Kyrie in that. He's not in the set. He is. There is a huge drop-off between those two and Kyrie. Even though he's having a really good season this year, I don't think that he's in their their conversation. So anytime you put two top five players, and if Kevin Durant has to be healthy, he's not healthy right now. And it's there's it's a long story on whether he'll be able to come back and 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 push through a playoff run where you're gonna get tight and nicked up and it's a it's a long seat, it's a long playoff grind. And how many we don't even know how many minutes Kevin Durant's gonna play, but like James Harden and Kevin Durant alone, those two guys on a team would probably be better than any two duos out there, unless you throw in LeBron and Anthony Davis when both of those guys are healthy. I, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but uh, Woj is reporting that the Celtics just signed the kid you beat in the high school gym uh, to a 10 day contract. So that's good. 
they're right back in the mix there, right? <laughs> See, nah, it's not nah, just the Nets nah. getting rich. <laughs> they would not be in the mix. But we, I did ask Danny on air. Danny, you saw my video. What do you think? You got, think I got anything left? He's like, <laughs> you didn't have anything left 10 years ago. Uh, <laughs> those are hurtful words. Who would, I? to me, they need to replace the whole All-Star uh, game. It's not entertaining anymore. It's, it's, uh, it's nonsense. What about a one-on-one tournament, though? And you have two sides of it, 6-9 and under, 6-10 and above. Who would win the 6-9 and under one? Who would win James Harden versus Kevin Durant, first of all? I think the 6-9 and under would win that. Yeah, they just play fast. Well, who would win it, though? Who would win it? Oh, in a one-on-one? Yeah. Probably LeBron at 6-9 and under. And maybe Embiid? Embiid would would beat Durant one-on-one. I mean, he's massive. He just like he, what you saw me do to the high school kid. That's what yeah. Embiid would do to the rest of the guys. But like doesn't you, yeah, doesn't it depend on who has the better phone? Like if Embiid has an iPhone <laughs> six, what does what does he care about? Right? He'll just give it gold plated. Yeah. yeah, good point. Good point. No, I, I I can't imagine anybody in the NBA would be able to beat Embiid one on one. He's too big. He's too skilled. Scalabrini, tell the story. I know it's a a little a while back now. The night you won the NBA title with the Celtics. <laughs> All what right. happened? You went into the press conference after the game? Yeah, so, you know, I had my pregame meal that day at three, and then we won the championship, and I took two bottles of champagne right to the head. I mean, did all the, <laughs> like, pitchers and all that, and chanting, yeah, 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 we go to the back of the locker room. When everyone was squirting the champagne, I was taking it down, right? And then, you know, champagne, it hits you weird, right? It's not normal. Like, so you, I'm walking around kind of finding people, felt fine, and then I had this crazy idea to go up on the podium and call the media out for saying we're going to lose to the Lakers. So I go up onto the podium and all of a sudden it hits me and I am like, the room starts to spin and I'm answering all these questions <laughs> <laughs> completely hammered. And that's why I came up with that line. Like you guys are all, oh, you're laughing at me because I never played, but no one's going to remember that. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't realize the explosion of the internet and, and YouTube. You can look all this stuff up. So I said 10 years from now, you're not going to remember in 20 years from now, I'll tell my kids I played in 30 years. I'll probably lie and say I got the MVP. So I'm not too worried about <laughs> it. And, uh, now I tell people all the time. Yeah. I, I when people say, Scal, thank you for 2008. Cause you know, I do the Celtic games and I walk around the arena yeah. when we have fans. And now I say, I know, man. I carried that team all the way to the championship. <laughs> <laughs> you carried Paul Pierce off the court and then back out, and then you carried the Celts to a title. Right? That's it, man. By the way, if, doing if, it all. <laughs> if every few years you could plant a viral video of you beating up on a capable player, maybe right. people may re- think of you as an MVP. Like, yeah, that's a kid. I, he still beats everybody. It's unbelievable yeah. what he does. Exactly. I think, he, I think exactly. there's something to it. You remember Keep he had going. a great finals. You remember that finals against the Lakers? Yeah, he was <laughs> Good. <laughs> hey, we have Kendrick Perkins on our podcast network. He does a podcast he hosts with uh, Gina Paradiso called The Betting Academy. Very informative. I think he went three out of four this week. Do you have a good Perk story? I mean, I know you guys were uh, the life of the party there in Boston. Yeah, so so Perk has been uh, Perk has been working with us now at NBC Boston. Right. Yeah, my, I mean, my best Perk story is. Um, oh, it was <laughs> it was when uh, we had a. Uh, Delonte West and Gerald Green, and there was a mix-up in play calls, and they were kind of jawing back and forth. And one thing or another, like Delonte West challenged Gerald Green to kind of a fight, and and Perk instead of letting it like normally, 
like you get in, in the NBA, you jump in between, like, come on, we're all good. We're all good. We're all good. Don't hold me back. Let's, let's get back to practice. Perk was like, come on, let's go. Y'all need to settle this. We need to get this done right now. We need to get it out there. Y'all want to fight? We need to fight because that's we got to get past this. So that was the uh, – I remember Perk was like just gassing up those two guys. I'm not sure he wanted them to fight, but he was like, we need to get – we need to clear the air right now. So I thought that was a really funny story from Perk. That's the best. He still does that with our podcast producers. He hasn't stopped. There you go. He's a troublemaker. Uh, right, do me a favor. Give me, I'm going to bet on FanDuel. Give me an NBA champ and give me an NCAA tournament champ. I'm going to parlay them together. Um, all right. So if you want, if you want odds, you'll pick USC. If you're odds, like a, I want the winners. I want to win this, uh, this parlay. I think, I think, I think the Zags are going to beat USC. So oh. I would take the Zags. One team I'm worried about is Baylor. Those guys right. defend, man. They defend. But I think Zags beat those teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, USC is the, their toughest matchup. If they beat USC, they're going to win. And for the NBA champ, I'm going to say – I'm going to say the Milwaukee Bucks. Really? Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's a hefty pay. That's over 21 to 1 odds if we do yeah. Gonzaga to the Bucks. there. They're plus so you're saying those two get you twenty-one to one? Yeah, so a little over. What is what would if you threw Baylor in there? What would that get you? Uh, well, it'd get you. A, uh, we'd have to take Gonzag out. I'm tell, yeah, say Zag's out. Baylor in <laughs> box. Yeah. Baylor in right. box. Okay, so let's say. Oh boy, that's a nice one. That's thirty-seven to one. Bucks and Baylor. Oh, I would let's keep it that. at the Zags. I'll keep it at the Zags. Uh, yeah, twenty-one to one. I'd keep it at the Zags. All right. I'm doing yeah. it. I'm doing it. Yeah. And then we'll, I'm, uh, I'm telling you, the Zags beat USC is on the same level as the Zags, except the Zags play fast. So if if they can get past this round, if, right. if the Zags can get past this round, they're going to win a national championship. I almost think this is their toughest. Uh, spot That's what I right think now. too. Yeah, that's interesting. I do too. USC looks really poised. Yeah, poise matters in big games. So yeah, for there you sure. Go. Well, thanks for coming on. This has been terrific. Uh, you know, yeah, if that parlay hits, I'm going to get you a new iPhone because it's a, it's all about the phones. As Brian Scalabrini has told us, do you have anything else to plug? No, if you're up in a, a New England area, I have a Scal's Lemonade Vodka if you guys want to just get hammered on some really high-quality stuff. So there you go. Yeah, well, let's get that for so we can jump up on the podium after we win the, uh, <laughs> the two-on-one against Scalabrini. I didn't play around. I went 18% alcohol, so it's 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 strong. And you're supposed to crush a can. You're not supposed to mix it with anything, so good wow. luck with that. Why do I feel like he's going to be drinking this stuff 20 years from now, challenging high school kids in the gym? Come on, let's go. <laughs> if, I'm be, if I'm beating kids after drinking 20 years, after drinking two scows, lemonade, vodka, then I'm doing something right. <laughs> Excellent. All right, thanks for coming on, Brian. I appreciate the time. All right, there he is. Our guest today is a two-time NBA champion with the Houston Rockets and a nine-time Emmy winner with one of the most entertaining shows in the history of sports television inside the NBA. He was also robbed of winning the 1990 NBA Slam Dunk Contest. We're going to talk about that. Kenny, the Jet Smith is here. What's happening, Kenny? I love the robbery. I was robbed, (laughs) Dominique Wilkins. But, uh, no, everything's going great, man. Enjoying it, getting ready for... This documentary series, the All-Star Weekend, and everything's coming up this week. Tell us about this documentary real quick, because I'm, I'm very excited about it, and everyone should be. I, I mean, honestly, either we're very good or we're very old. 
Because mm-hmm. usually people are dead when they're making documentaries about them. But right. uh, I think o- overall, you know, we became we've become such a fabric with inside of the of pop culture, not just sports culture. So mm-hmm. it kind of translates. It's funny because so my, I have a, uh, my nephews and, and my son. I have a son that's 21 at, at North University of North Carolina. And they say sayings, but didn't realize that they're spawned from our show. Oh, really? Yeah, they, like it's just part of the fabric of their conversation. And I'm like, you know, we made that up, right? It's like, <laughs> like, he's like, yeah, you lose, you're going to go on fishing. I'm like, yeah, I made that up, gone fishing. <laughs> you know, like, like that's, that's my thing. He's like, get out of here. You made that up, Dad? Do you so, then have to, pro- you have to prove to him that it was you? Do you have to pull up right, all the footage I, I, of it? They just, it becomes part of fabric. You know, like, I guess I, 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 I compare it to like a, a great rapper, like, you know, Jay-Z or Nas or, Right. Or Biggie. Like you start saying slogans that they've said, mm-hmm. you know, like you're like, hey, holla at your boy. But like, nah, Jay-Z really kind of started people saying that. <laughs> right, right, right. Kenny, <laughs> I saw you. I saw you um, on at a Jerry's Deli in uh, in Los Angeles just before all of COVID kicked in. And I I really did almost come up to you and ask you this. You were sitting by yourself. You kind of made eye contact with me. And I thought. I'm not going to bother the man while he's having some eggs. So now I will ask you, you crossed over at UNC with a guy named Michael Jordan by a year. And we mentioned your two titles. And I know you had talked about this a little bit last year with the documentary, but I'm going to ask you again now. I say that the Houston Rockets would have vanquished the Chicago Bulls had Michael Jordan been on the team in the mid nineties. Mm. I think he dodged. I think his legacy is much greater because he avoided having to play. I think you specifically, Kenny the Jet and Vernon Maxwell, could have done a number on twenty three. How say? I, I, well, I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't say the word avoid because he he doesn't avoid it. He doesn't avoid things. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, we would have won. Uh, absolutely. I, I just think there's two things that I always say. Absolutely, because one, you think who's won eight titles in a row? When's the last? Who's done that? Eight titles. Fair straight. point, right. Injuries, free agency, all the things that we saw it, that went on with his documentary. You know, who can do that? Secondly, there was no Dennis Rodman. There was no Horace Grant the two years we won. They were on different teams. They were way much too little for us. To, mm-hmm. You know, with Akeem Olajuwon, way too little. I, I do think absolutely we would have beat them those two years. But if they had gotten Rodman, before then, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, no, that would have been different. Really? But without a Rodman, no way they would have been able to handle Akeem Olajuwon inside. Interesting. Could you have specifically? Did you pick something up in your year practicing against Jordan that would have allowed you some advantage? You and Vernon Maxwell. Is there something like, oh, I know what 23 wants to do in this spot with the floor? I remember it from Chapel Hill. What would have? What I would have known not to speak to him or look him in his eye. <laughs> I wouldn't have looked right. You know how that, that rumor, I knew the rumor was true. So we would have just, I'd have been like, Vernon, just shut up. Don't say anything. <laughs> Let's just get it done. Don't say a word. But I, I really, you know, it's funny because the, the two, the three year, first three year run that they won championships, we're in the West and they're in the East. And it's the regular season, not the playoffs. We were, we were I think we were spot six and two against them. Mm. In that run, like 
we were we had beat them six times. They can only beat us twice. We just didn't match up well for them in those runs. So I'm happy actually we didn't play them because I didn't I wouldn't want it to be part of tarnishing that legacy. That legacy is mm. is is what makes him who he is. And I'm actually glad that we weren't part of that if it did happen. Honestly. Well, it worked out well for you, Kenny. You, you know what you're part of? You're part of the greatest sports roundtable show of all time. And you know what? I, I do one on Fox, and I always think about it. I'm like, I, it's just nothing's ever going to be as good as inside the NBA. And I've talked to this today, uh, to Dave about this, and I've talked to my cousin, Jimmy Kimmel, who also does a show, and we agree it might just be the greatest show of all time. Do, how, how do you feel? I'm not just kissing your ass here. How do you feel watching other shows? Is it hard for you knowing that you guys are so much more entertaining and informative than other shows? I think you could say yes. It's not hard for me to watch because I don't. I see. I never watch. I never watch another sports show mm. only because I don't like to get influenced because I understand the influence that we have. So I'm not for the last like I know, I, I know, I know Stephen A. and PTI and all this. I've been on those shows, but I've never watched their show. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't watch. I think we have something unique that no one ever could Im- Im- imitate or duplicate. And I really believe if any of us left, it would be irreplaceable because the other ones we feed off of each other so much that it would be it would just look, you know, it, it just would be like the odd couple without Felix Unger. Like, you know what I mean? It's just we're like, wait, I think they guy? tried that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who's that guy? So I, I, I just think that, you know, it, we, I think we have something so unique because we all are unscripted. We, we are bringing our personalities and what the documentary is going to show is what we do in the back just makes it to the, it's a continuation that makes it to the front. It does. It's not like, yeah. Oh, this is it. And it stops. It's literally, I'm in the same hotel as Charles. I was downstairs before the interview. He's screaming at the bar across the thing with his mask on. <laughs> and I'm on the other side and, we're, and it's a continuation of, he's like, did you see Shaq? He's wrestling and like, look, Kenny. And it's like, it's a constant, <laughs> it's a constant thing. So right. it's not fake. It's Let, not fake. Someone just ends up putting a microphone on you guys eventually. That's and then it. you go back to That's the bar. <laughs> let let me ask you that. Let, forget about taking uh, someone away from the crew. What if you were to add somebody? You have the choice. They're going five. They say, hey, Kenny, we're going five-man crew. It's you. It's Ernie. It's Charles. It's Shaq. You could add somebody. You can go current players. You can go former players. Would you go like Draymond Green or uh, or Blake? It was Green? interesting. It's interesting you say that. Uh because I don't think anyone could be placed, but I think you could add. Okay. I do you think you could add. And and I was like the Jackson Five. I was like, we beat the Jackson Five. And God bless them right now, man. But I, I my wish was Kobe Bryant. Uh. It, it was because I wanted to have Shaq on one end and Kobe on the other. Mm-hmm. Because they give such diametric different postures about things. Yeah. And I used to hear the stories that they would say, like, Shaq would say about Kobe, and then you hear Kobe, and I'm like, wait, those things, like, you got to bring that to TV, man. And I, and I, that would have been the perfect person because he's he's so abrasive. And he and anyone who comes to our show, they can't try to fit in. They mm-hmm. have to have a personality. And, like, I'm not trying to blend in. I'm going to be me, and this is how I am. And I'm not going to be influenced by these guys 
positively or negatively. That was Kobe Bryant. Yeah. And he, I don't know if there's another person out there right now that has that type of mental fortitude, that Mamba mentality to be like, no, this is it. I used to always say I wanted Kobe Bryant to join our show. Mm. That's too bad. It's not going to happen. That would have been great. I'd love to see him and Shaq go at it. And obviously great basketball mind. Yeah, that was, that, that was it. That, that was my dream. And, you know, shout out too to Ernie for uh for running the show he's a perfect point guard for you guys setting you up to each be a star uh by your own right he does a gangbusters job as well um sal and i've been talking about this the last week or so i mean every night pretty much somebody gets posterized you posterized guys in your career i don't remember you getting posterized too much based on your position i'm not blocking shots why is it (laughs) why why is this considered to be the worst thing that can happen to you. I can think of at least three other things. I'd rather get posterized than shoot an air ball, especially on a free throw. I'd rather mm. not get crossed over and fall down on the floor in front of other people. And I wouldn't want to get rejected, especially from the perimeter. That's the most humiliating thing because I've had it happen to me from 20 feet. Somebody swatted me. That's hum- that's a humiliation as a grown man. Why is getting posterized so bad? Because... In a, in a poster or <laughs> meme, what they are now, we're, we're, we're showing our age by calling it poster. Right, it's right. meme the memeization of of getting being a meme is <laughs> because it's physical brute force. It's the it's the Neanderthal in you, like mano a mano. Uh, it's clashing together, and you lose, and you bend. It's you're you're the you're the rod that bends. You know what I mean? Being the rod, emasculation, right? Oh, no question. It's a definitely emasculating. So it's the you being the rod that bends. You don't ever want to be the rod that bends. Yeah, and that's what when you go up and they go up and you're meeting in the middle, you better not bend because your girl <laughs> is watching, your mom is watching, your kids are watching, and you don't want to bend. <laughs> Speaking, Kenny, of being emasculated, your Rockets lost to James Harden's Nets, 132-114. Lots of weird stuff with this game, right? James Harden coming home, puts up a triple-double, showed no mercy, 29-10-14. But what what was weird to me is the Rockets announced before the game, not before the game, but this morning, that they were going to retire James Harden's number eventually. They didn't have to do this. Were they just hoping that Harden would take it easy on them if they make this announcement? Do you agree with the announcement? Should they have waited? Yeah, I mean, he's one of the greatest Rockets of all time, without question. He just haven't taken to the heights mm-hmm. that, you know, we have played at, you know. Right. But he came close. Um, but he's definitely individually. He was the MVP of the league. Um, you know, he was close to it every year. He's one of the greatest Rockets. He will go down as that. Unfortunately, he couldn't win a championship there. Um, but they were begging for mercy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they really were <laughs> begging for the all-star break for sure. <laughs> My last question, Kenny is, is it a trip for you? A guy who was a, who was the star for a certain era there in uh, Chapel Hill, you go on to the NBA star there, two titles and everything else. Do you feel like you, you talk about your 21 year old kid that that you're better known now. It's almost like Paul McCartney and wings that people in a certain age are like, wait, he did something before he was a broadcaster. Is that, is that uh, come? Uh, must be a lot of people out there who didn't even know you. Were oh, no no question. I, I think, I think they know that I played 
but I'm definitely more known today. Mm. Like because of without question. Um, I think I was, you know, when you win championships, you become like a, a you get that 15, 20 minutes of fame back to back, you know? So everyone knows, but then it fades because somebody else wins it the next year. This we're, we're next to the, the winner every day. So we're the winners. Yeah. So like for me as a player, it's interesting when I go through an airport, when I was a player, people would go, Oh, there he goes. Yeah. That's him. Yeah. That, they, they point and whisper or they would, you know, they'll take out the camera phone. Now, as what I am now, everyone comes to you and talks because you're in their living room. They feel like you, you, they actually turn you on to bring you into their house. So they feel they have a personal relationship with you. Mm. So I got to be ready to talk. When I, so if I go anywhere, I better be like, hey, with the those laws that you're in, you cannot just be like, oh, I'm going out to not talk <laughs> because everyone needs five minutes. And you said this about my favorite player. You said this about politics. You said, because we right. talk about everything. You said this about schools. You said everything you can imagine. So definitely much more known now. For sure. For sure. I got more national commercials too. I like, well, I'm on commercial. I had like <laughs> one every two or three years. Like, I get it. I jump into like a posse cut of, of like commercials. <laughs> now it's like, oh, we need to, no, it's definitely more now. But what I'm hearing is, is that is that I'm classy because I didn't bother you at Jerry's Deli. In other words, I, <laughs> yeah. I no, you don't, no, so I, no, I would have expected it, and I was ready for it. I'm not going to Jerry's Jerry's Deli <laughs> and not ready to talk. I'm I ready think to they, talk. I think they close it down. I don't think talk. anyone's going there. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, one more thing for me, Kenny. When are you going to take that commercial money and uh, and show Charles Barkley up betting money on the NBA futures? He put a hundred brand on the blazers what goes through your mind when he does something like that never never bet on someone else that's really? my first thing like what well, somebody might have a uh, a an upset stomach that day i don't know like what i mean <laughs> like i only the only thing i ever bet on is like when i play cards like in there i'm in the, in the house that's mm -hmm. it but hundreds of thousands of dollars i worked much too hard to be giving it away to anyone through the cards or anything else he is an idiot Charles is an idiot for betting that type of money on any sport anywhere because he does not win more than he loses. No one does. And he definitely loses a lot more than he wins. Yes, he's an idiot. <laughs> but he doesn't care, right? That's a sickness, right? So you oh, can, you hey, I don't know if he cares, but I'll tell you what, he's losing. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, the documentary is called The Inside Story. It starts Thursday night on TNT following the Miami New Orleans game. Uh, it tells the fans what they don't see behind the scenes. I can't even believe it's uh, more spectacular from what we do see, but you're telling us it is. And uh, I, believe I believe you. Thanks so much for coming on, Kenny. I appreciate it. All right. Can't wait. Thank you. Uh, he's delightful. He's delightful.